This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's four minutes past four. It's Thursday, the 12th of March, and you're very welcome. It's nice to have you company. The Clarkson saga rolls on. Or as the producer typed, the Clarkson sage rolls on. I mean, I ask you, honestly, if anybody deserved a slap this morning, he's it. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? This whole thing. It's, I just couldn't, I cannot believe that we're still talking about Jeremy Clarkson. Three days on. Unbelievable. Uh, Jordan gets a photo taken with Camilla. I don't think Camilla knew who she was, otherwise she wouldn't have wanted a picture taken. Oh, the Buckingham Palace are all going, what on earth have you had a picture taken with her for? I don't know, who is she? It's Jordan. Who? Jordan. What, the river? No, but might as well be. And smoking cannabis for three years in your teens can ruin long-term... Something, I can't remember what it is. Anyway, luckily I never did cannabis. I couldn't bear the smell of it. I really couldn't bear the smell of it. But I think it goes to prove it, because every time Ollie's opened up the phone lines to talk about cannabis, most of the people sound like they're three sheets to the wind, I'm afraid. Uh, The US may return to firing squads. Oh, good. That'll be nice. Apparently they've got a problem finding... The right liquid, this sodium pentothal or whatever it is, and they, it's not the strength, and they're not they're, so they thought firing squad could be easier. Right, a bit like that in Bali, isn't it? So they moved these two Australians who were caught smuggling heroin. I think uh, it makes no difference, whatever it is, they've, they've got the death penalty, and they then moved them to an island to shoot them. Why bother? Why not just go into the cell and go poof, poof, shoot them? End of story. Makes it so much easier. Uh, crisis at Crufts. Guess how many people have claimed cruelty? They've claimed that they've witnessed cruelty. 170,000. Mind you, 170,000, and yet over on the reinstate, Jeremy Clarkson, 650,000 people now. The BBC must be going, oh, God, we can't get rid of him. Because the the programme will die. As I said yesterday, they will keep him. I'm almost uh, prepared to put a bet on that one today. They will definitely keep him. And it'll be, I think, Danny Cohen is the one who's sort of going, oh, I'd like to get rid of him, i like to sort of flex my muscles. But the trouble is the BBC are very much, you know, mindful of what they're told to do. So Danny Cohen might want to do something, but I should imagine the board of directors will be saying he generates 300 million quid a year. Get rid of him, pal, you're walking yourself, OK? Because they have to keep him. They have to keep him. Actually, the funny thing is, because of the programme and the nature of it, they might have axed this weekend's, but I turned on three Freeview channels yesterday and each one was showing Top Gear. Each one was showing Top Gear. It was hilarious. Hilarious. Uh, Britain's weirdest weather, which we all know about. Uh, whiplash. You know, that fake thing that people... Oh, Whiplash. Oh, whiplash. Got whip- no, you haven't. You're lying through your teeth. And I've got the best scam of all. If you live in Buckinghamshire, Berkshire, or on the M4, M25 corridor, you might have seen this one. This is, this is so, so easy uh, for them, and yet... Um, People are getting caught by it. People are getting caught by it. I'll, t- I'll tell you what it is a little bit later on. Uh, also, the teacher banned for grooming teenage pupil that he's made pregnant. And apparently the equality chiefs uh, have said that Christians are too scared to admit religion at work. Well, I have to be honest, what's he got to do with people? I could. I mean, I don't work with people and go, sorry, Christian? Muslim? Buddhist? I've got no idea. I don't care. I'm not remotely interested in somebody's religion. What, what you choose to do... In the privacy of your own, you know, home or whatever it happens to be. It's nothing to do with me. I couldn't kill it. You know, if somebody comes up to you and says, oh, by the way, I'm Christian. I go, what have you told me that for? What have you told me that for? Why would people be remotely in? I couldn't care less. Do what you want to do. Oh, I'm Muslim. I don't care. Jewish? Don't care. 
not remotely interested. But apparently Christians are the ones who, who don't like to, uh, to admit it at work. What, you walk into work and go, hello, Christian? What? I don't get it either. Uh, Madonna's very cross. Apparently a certain radio station won't play her records. It's probably because she's past it now. You know, she's still Madonna, but I mean, you know, come on, give it up, love, please. And uh, do you remember Dan Osborne from TOWIE? Yes, he's the one who's suspended for the foul-mouthed rant against his ex-girlfriend threatening to stab her with a knife. And so, quite clearly, they had to, uh, they had to suspend her. Now his father's had a rant online at the ex, calling her every name under the sun. So, quite clearly, filth runs in their family. Disgusting, isn't it, really? I mean, I couldn't care less whether it's true or not. I'm not bothered about things like that. I'm more bothered about the fact that it's uh, a man and his uh, toe rag of a father who rant against a woman. What sort of people are they? I think we know what sort of people they are. <laughs> they were just, you know, it's no good him saying, oh, look, smiley, smiley, got another girl up the duff and we're having another baby. So yesterday, yesterday I turned on to Loose Women and uh, I, I watch it occasionally. And yesterday we had uh, Janet Street Pavement Walker we had uh, Colleen Lala Nolan, and uh, who else do we have? We had Jamelia, and we had Kay, is it Kay Adams who's on the, yeah, it's Kay Adams, and she was presiding over, she always looks to me like an out-of-work dominatrix, you know, she looks like you stick her in a pair of thigh-length boots and a basque, and she fits the part straight away. So anyway, so they, they do a little bit, they talk about a guy, and uh, he's uh, on, on the Dragon's Den, they turned him down, he recycles food. And it can be up to six months out of date. And he sells it and he's made millions. And so they do that bit. And they and it's, it's going quite well. It's a sort of a bit of a dull interview. Nobody's particularly studied what he does. Nobody's, nobody's particularly interested. Uh, so they then get rid of him. And then they get down to, to the nub of the matter. Yes, the hard-hitting, the girlies are going to talk about something really important. And the girlies yesterday talk about, in front of their audience, the three girls who go off to Syria. I know, I know. I was practically reaching for the Mogadon as they started. I thought, well, I know where this one's going to go. I know exactly where everybody will stand on it. But nothing but nothing prepared me for the, for the bonehead that is Jamelia. I didn't realise somebody could actually be that stupid on television. I, I wasn't sure. Because when it started off, they were saying, you know, they, they let Colleen do it first because she's not, not the brightest penny in the box. But she said exactly what I said on the programme, which is... And everybody, so I've never heard anybody say anything different. Couldn't care less about these three girls. They can stay over in Syria, as far as I'm concerned. Not bothered, all right? Don't want them back in this country. They've been radicalised. I'm, I'm not remotely interested. They're devious. They're nasty people. Stay over there. If you've chosen to make your bed and be with psychopathic killers, that's your problem. I don't want you back in this country, OK? Simple as that. I think the door should be closed permanently. Not, couldn't give a stuff about the parents, couldn't care less about anybody. Don't care about Keith Vaz. I'm just thinking, and I'm telling you what this country is saying. Stay away, girlies. So they discuss this, and Colleen Nolan says the same. Janet Street Porter says the same. Kay Adams hasn't really said anything at the moment because she's not really sure where she, where she stands or sits on this one. And in comes Jamelia. In comes Jamelia. Well, to be honest with you, I began to wonder whether or not this woman actually had a brain or whether she'd studied anything. Well, I think we're being, and I'm just sort of encompassing what she said. She appeared, she appeared on the programme to be saying, well, they're only children. We don't know what they've gone out there for. And I thought, have you read anything, dear? I mean, can you read big words in the papers? You know, well, we don't know. We shouldn't because they're only children. And I think that we should, you know, bring them back and they can be with their family. They don't want to be with their family, you stupid woman. 
It was just embarrassing to watch her dig in a deeper and deeper hole. And I wasn't sure as I was watching whether or not they'd had this discussion, which they do at their meetings every day, on what they're going to talk about. And then somebody goes, oh, we're all in agreement. Well, Jamelia, can you take the opposing thing? Otherwise, it's going to sound a bit biased. So because they think they're doing a balanced conversation, she then comes up with this guff about the fact they're only children. Yeah, they're only children who managed to uh, steal jewellery from their parents uh, get the money from somewhere. They've obviously sold it. Sold it. Gone into a travel agent who sold them for cash. Children, a ticket one way. You think the uh, the travel agent would be a little bit? Uh, I think I might have to call the police on this one. No, Dimbo in the travel agent. Nothing. Diddly squat. And there's the apologist, Jamelia, who thinks that you know. Well, you know, they might be out there for something different. What? They've, darling, I mean, oh, God, I mean, do you know, to be honest with you, if you banged her head against a brick wall, I don't think you'd actually better get through to her, because she was coming up with the biggest load of old rubbish. I thought, we know that ISIS have contacted them, we know that they're in an ISIS stronghold, we know that they're in a, a house over there, in fact, we could practically pinpoint the house. Jamelia, of course, who obviously can't read newspapers, has no idea of this at all. You know, they took... Um, uh, you know, a phone out there. They have a phone. I mean, I think that, you know, she was so out of it and she so didn't understand what she was talking about. She thought, oh, they're just little children. They're 14 and 15. They're not. They're evil, bewitched children. They cheated their parents. They didn't mind you having seen the parents. and I shouldn't imagine that was too difficult to do. And uh, they managed to get out there. They got to Turkey. They weren't scared. They weren't frightened or anything. If they were going out there, Jamelia, and I'll say this to you once, open your ear, We'll just blow through to make sure we've got the cobwebs out of the way. They'd gone out there. If they wanted to tell their mummy and daddy and their brother and their sister... Remember the sister who stood up in the House of Commons and said she likes Kim Kardashian? Well, big up Kim Kardashian. And, um, you know, and they, they went out there. They got phones, dear. They've got phones, Jamelia. They could have phoned their mummy and daddy and said, listen, or sent a text message. Uh, this, this is what we're doing. We're undercover. We're secret squirrels. We're undercover to expose ISIS. No, they're not undercover at all, Jamelia. And I'm sorry that you're that dim that you don't understand what's been written in the newspapers. They've been radicalised online. We know the person who radicalised them. We know everything about them. We know that there was a checklist. We know exactly where they were. We followed them. They crossed into the border of Syria. They're not going over there to be secret spies. and They're not doing anything else. They've gone to join ISIS. They want to be jihadi brides. OK, you understand that now, do you? Dear God, don't ever put yourself up for question time. Please, God, don't ever do it. You know, I'd have thought, and I was hoping that you might have been a bit more intelligent, but if you were put on that panel yesterday to try and wind people up, it worked a treat with me, because I'm shouting at the television, get her off, she's too stupid. Then, then, oh God, then it took a downward turn. Having sort of suffered Jamelia, and it was, it was an interesting concept of having to sit down and try and explain to her. The audience, of course, didn't agree with anything Jamelia said, but I, that doesn't come as any surprise. Then Janet Street Pavement Walker was talking about the 12-year-old boy who shot dead somebody on this ISIS video. Remember I told you that the 12-year-old boy is standing there. ISIS, they don't have any, any hesitation about killing people. This is a 19-year-old a 19-year-old whose parents have said he's nothing to do with, with any terrorist group or anything like that. He, he comes on, he's wearing his orange boiler suit, he kneels down in front of this 12-year-old boy. There's a man next to him, next to the boy, and the boy is uh, standing there. The man standing next to the boy on the video says something in French and something else. The boy comes round the front, he takes his gun out and he shoots the man 
and you see him dead on the ground in a pool of blood, and they then shoot him four more times. OK? So Janet Street, pavement walker, says, you know, and of course there was this boy, and Kay Adams, and frankly, I wasn't sure which planet she was on either, said, um, I think allegedly. I thought, allegedly doesn't cover you. What are you saying? It was, it, you don't, what do you think? That it happened in another country. You don't need to worry about allegedly. There is video of a 12-year-old boy shooting somebody dead. What's the allegedly, Kay? Where's your journalistic training? Don't you realise that you can say anything you like about somebody in another country? Alleg- what are they going to do? Come over here, a 12-year-old boy is going to take us to court. He's on a video from ISIS. Dear Lord above, honestly, that programme needs a kick up the rear end. And I'm the one to do it. Quarter past four. Steve Allen on LBC. Call Clegg. Deputy Prime Minister Nick Clegg takes your calls with Nick Ferrari at breakfast. This morning from nine, only on LBC. Oh, I love Call Clegg. I love it on a Thursday. I love the entourage. I love the whole bit of it. It comes in with everybody. It's fantastic. They get their own breakfast. That impresses me immediately. And Nick Ferrari, this morning, you can put your questions to the Deputy Prime Minister, Nick Clegg. Also been speaking to the people of Sheffield, where the leader of the Lib Dems is an MP. Find out who they think is the most influential person in his political seat. And as MPs vote for plain packaging for cigarettes... Here you can hear what the UKIP leader, Nigel Farage, thinks of the idea. And apparently now, obesity is the new smoking. OK. Find out why this morning. Justin Cohen, editor of the Jewish News, is doing the paper review. That's all after the morning news with Lisa Aziz on LBC. Who's this? Oh, actually, before I do that, very quickly, uh, Catherine in Qatar says, Can you say break a leg? You have to say that to people unless you really genuinely mean it. To Oscar and Cooper, opening night of the Doha Players Macbeth production. The boys are forced to listen to you in the morning while we do the school run, so they'll be so happy to have a mention. I love the idea they're forced, forced to listen to this programme. Poor lads, poor lads, what can I say? Oscar and Cooper, good luck tonight for Macbeth. Oh, dear. A lot of, lot of stress in doing Macbeth, isn't there? Who's this? Who does this describe? I, I read it yesterday. Uh, He rose to fame in the 1990s, where he fast became one of the highest-selling music artists in the UK with a string of number-one hit singles and two number-one albums. He toured all over the world, collecting a multitude of national and international awards along the way. Who's that? I'm telling you, they're appearing at the Hampton Court Palace Festival. There's all sorts of people. Jules Holland will be down there. Past master of things like this. I think Alfie Bow is there. There's all sorts of... Who is this person? Rose to fame in the 1990s, where he fast became one of the highest-selling music artists in the UK. With a string of number-one hit singles and two number-one albums, he toured all over the world, collecting a multitude of national and international awards along the way. I mean, my God, you want to book tickets for this person, don't you? Immediately! Peter Andre, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I nearly wet myself. Peter Andre is playing. They must have gone to the organisers and they've gone, listen, um, I know that you've had big names every year, but uh, Pete's not doing anything at the moment. He's not doing any of these programmes. He's not pretending to sort of paint or, or, or sort of use a hammer. Bit of, bit of, a, bit of a thing for him. And, uh, and he's, he's more than available on a, on a Saturday night. Uh, if you'd like him to bring his sort of big band down there, because he's tried everything else, he might as well try this one. And then Pete, Pete can sing to people. At that Hampton, Hampton, is that right? Could he be? Would, would that be okay by everybody if he came down there and perhaps brought his his, his children? Uh, that'd be nice because we can put them in the audience to fill up the empty seats. And uh, and his, his his girly can come down too, and and Pete Pete can sing songs to people. 
And would, would that would that be all right for the Hampton Court Palace Festival? Well, I nearly died. I nearly died. I mean, a string of number one hit singles. Three. One of them was a re-release. Uh, so I because I had to go onto the discography. I had to go and find out exactly where these albums had gone. You know, in '93, uh, he had an album out called. Peter Andre, because it was like, you know, really interesting. Uh, that didn't do anything apart from in Australia, where it got to, uh, I think, number 27. I think num- number 27. Um, and then was sort of a bit of a hiatus until we got round to... Uh, time got to number 28. Natural got to number one in the UK and disappeared without trace around the world. So that was OK. Um, a Whole New World. You remember that one with Katie Price? A Whole New World! I've got a fantastic point. That was poor old Katie Price. That got to number 20, so in other words, that'll be made into ashtrays. Revelation, released in 2009, got to number 3. Accelerate, got to number 10. Um, Angels and Demons got to number 18. And uh, the last one, Big Night, number 23. It's, it's that that I think he's going to be doing at Hampton Court. So I thought, you know, it was, it was OK. Uh, UK chart position for the very best of Peter Andre. It didn't. The Platinum Collection didn't. Unconditional love songs didn't. And so I thought, well, listen, I mean, you know, they, they've sort of described him as if he's some sort of major force to be reckoned with. Do you think anybody checked? Who's going to be doing, you know, hospitality packages for Peter Andre? Anyway, his first number one uh, was in 1996. And that was uh, Flavour featuring, I think it's C. C double I don't know. Uh, it got to number 62 in Australia, obviously far more discerning. Uh, I Feel You got to number one as well. And Mysterious Girl in 2004, featuring Bubbler Ranks, also got to uh, number one. Because first time out, it only got to number two, so they decided to re-release it. And that was the extent of Pete's number ones. That that was the, the uh, three. The rest of them, I mean, on the last, on the last outing... Uh, Unconditional got to number 50. The Right Way, 14. The Whole New World, featuring Katie Price. Whole New World got to number 12. Uh, Bad As You Are didn't chart. I Can't Make You Love Me, which kind of summed it all up, didn't chart at all. Kid got to number 144. Big Night, Nothing, and Christmas Times for Families. But I think that was only sold in Iceland. And my Iceland had loads of them left. Loads of them. I've got a copy myself. Thank you so much indeed. So they're going to put him at Hampton Court Palace. And I can't help feeling perhaps I should, in the interests of journalism, you know, and presenting, you know, a programme that sort of appeals to millions, I think I should buy a ticket and go and see it. But the trouble is, I don't want his kids running backwards and forwards. You know, that, that'll be, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. You know, that would be, it's a bit like Daddy, my Daddy, except they can't reach him. You know, because he does like, he does like using the kids for everything. And uh, Pete only lives down the road, so he can sort of pop in and he say, this is a big gig for... I mean, the trouble is Hampton Court Palace is a big gig. People spend a lot of money. You can have some corporate hospitality for around about 250 quid a person, which is nice. You get champagne or you can have a picnic there for about 80 to 100 quid, depending on whether you have champagne or wine. And uh, and it's big business. Whether or not people will want to do it for Peter Andre, I don't know. The rest of them are all big, big stars. You know, Alfie Bow, big star. You know, Alfie Bow will have an orchestra back him. Pete's Pete will just have sort of a little combo or something. And Pete, who thinks he's a, a musical star to be reckoned with, will be going down probably quite well for his fans. But everybody else will be going, Peter Andre at Hampton Court. 
<laughs> I don't think so. It's not not quite the right place for him, is it, really? Well, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, 84850, steve at Dan says it's my birthday. Well, I bet you don't get any mentions from anybody. You won't get anything, will you? You won't get any cards or anything like that. Do you remember that advert years ago on the television? I used to love it. It was an advert, I think, for the post office, and it's a little girl, and she's sitting upstairs in the window of a house, and she's looking down to the front door and the path and the garden gate, and, and it's a little tear. It's her birthday. And and the postman sort of gets to the garden gate, and he looks up at her, and she, she looks down at him, appealing as if to say, you know, have you got any cards for me? And, and then he looks down again, and then he walks off. And a little tear rolls down her cheek and because she's got no cards and it's her birthday. And then he turns round and he comes back. He was lying. She gets a machine gun out, kills him. End of story. You know, it was a great advert. I can't believe it. He's sort of, he's winding her up. Poor little soul. She only wants a blooming birthday card. It's not difficult, is it? But uh, she doesn't get it. Uh, 84850, uk. I like the idea of a talking Barbie. I know somebody who collects Barbies. Very collectible. Very, very collectible. You could have a talking Steve Allen doll, but I think you've got it every morning between 4 and 6.30, so you don't need to worry about things like that. I only have to suffer loose women, says David, when I visit my mum. The rows we have about it. Perhaps the worst thing is the blue-rinsed audience nodding like lapdogs as they agree with every piece of nonsense the has-beens and never-wers that make up the panel come out with. Yeah, I bet these panellists all go home afterwards thinking they made a valuable contribution. Well, I mean, it's yesterday, Jamelia, it was just dreadful. I mean, seriously, it was dreadful. And Kay Adams, I thought she knew what she was talking about. Well, she proved uh, quite rightly to me yesterday. She hasn't got the faintest idea what she's on about. A little bit of, little bit of an embarrassment, isn't it? A lot of people thinking that uh, Top Gear will never come back. I'm telling you, it will. I'm absolutely telling you that it will, yes. Um, and, it will, uh, and it will be bigger and better than ever because everybody's now going to watch it. For those people who've never seen it before, and I'm not in it... You know, I'm I'm not into that programme. I don't care about cars. I'm not bothered. I've got a car and I drive it and that's it. But uh, I bet you anything, you'll all be watching it because it's actually quite interesting. When it comes down to it, it's a programme, you know, about cars and they look at this car and say, this is better than this one. And uh, And somebody says here, how can they keep him if he's punched somebody? Well, they don't know he has. They don't know. They don't know. We don't know what the facts are. That's the trouble. That's why the papers are trying to cover themselves and saying, oh, you know, it's, it's said that he did. Well, you know, perhaps he didn't. We don't know. It would set a precedent to all other employees that they can punch somebody and get away with it. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. It doesn't work like that. It works on the fact that he's bigger than that programme. He's bigger than an assistant producer. I couldn't care less whether he's pushed him off his chair or said to him, just go and get me some proper food. I don't care. It's got nothing to do with us what goes on behind the scenes. As long as we get a programme out there, I don't know. And also, this bloke's worked with him for nearly ten years. You're telling me after ten years he doesn't know what he... I think his name's Oisin or something. I always thought it sounded like Hoisin. And I thought, oh, I like Crispy Duck. And uh, so, but I don't really care. But we don't know what went on. That's the trouble. We don't know if he pushed him. We don't know what happened. We have no idea. So at the moment, it's it's sort of floating around in the ether and it will all be forgotten and he will come back and do the programme. Because if he doesn't, I'm telling you, ITV will wave a checkbook for him. Because if he goes over and does a programme on the other side and he might say to them, listen, you know, I want Hammond and I want May with me as well because we work together very well as a team. And ITV would go, yeah, of course you can. A defection from the BBC has always been a brilliant idea. 
And they like that, you know, there is the uh, the sanctity of the BBC. But to be honest with you, it's it's a bit cold if you don't get anything. But they would wave a check and people would watch him on ITV. The only problem with any programme that goes to ITV is the ad breaks. The moment Michael Parkinson moved from the BBC to ITV, the programme went downhill. The reason being, we had to suffer with the ad breaks. You know, so they start the programme and then into an ad break. Out of that, a little bit of chat, into an ad break. Because they're trying to get the money back that they paid for him. In the case of Clarkson, it would be a huge amount of money that they would pay, but they'd probably give him carte blanche. In fact, his his production company could probably make it. Simple as that. And ITV would bend over backwards. They don't have anybody apart from Philip Schofield. And you can't ask Pip Schofield to do anything about motoring. He looks like he couldn't ride a tricycle. So that's why you have to let him remain with the BBC, because that's where he's happiest. He gets on with it, he does it, and he knows Listen, why would he worry if it was dropped? He's got 30 million quid sitting in the bank. He's loaded. They're all loaded. They've got loads of money. They don't need the BBC. I don't know why people seem to think, oh, it's only the BBC. You know, there's ITV. They've got far more money. They can, they can, they can push around money and they, can, uh, and they can take him away. He could be on air in, you know, in about a month on ITV and they could put him on a Saturday night and it would wipe the board because people would want to watch him. They suddenly was, so he might be sexist. So he might be obnoxious at times. So he might be bombastic. So he might be a bullet. Who cares? Is he entertaining? Yes. And that's what it comes down to. It comes down to the fact that he's entertaining. You know, if it, if it was a woman sitting there and he smacked her around, then I would agree straight away. It's a male producer, an assistant producer, not even a proper producer, an assistant producer who's been working with him for ages and ages and ages. We don't know what happened. I don't really care. I just know the programme will be coming back and the audience will be bigger when it comes back because all those people who've either never watched it or never heard of him will go, I better watch this programme. What's he going to be like? And the answer is he'll be exactly the same. Exactly the same. A bit like Philip Schofield. Oh, Pip Schofield's the same on everything he does. He's Pip Schofield, you know, with his white hair. And, oh, look, I've really missed the news. I'm so sorry. I'm getting so much trouble this morning. So, uh, later than usual, news headlines. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, morning, morning. Thursday, the 12th of March. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. This is the programme. We don't really sort of pull any punches. We don't like to be PC. I can't bear being PC. It's so dull and dreary. And so when Kay, the dominatrix Adams on Loose Women after Janet Street Pavement Walker was discussing the ISIS video of the boy shooting dead, this other young lad who'd done nothing wrong at all, 19, he just had fallen into their, their clutches. It makes me even more angry as to what Jamelia was saying, and then Kay Adams saying, allegedly. There's no allegedly about it. It's on video. It's on video. It's well well documented. And also, something in another country, Kay, doesn't make any... You don't need to say allegedly, pop it, all right? It doesn't cover you anyway. Just saying allegedly is always like, you know, you can say whatever you like, you go, allegedly. Well, that doesn't cover you. It really doesn't. Uh, Mark from Maidstone says, my cousin works at Hampton Court. Probably can get you in the back door at the Peter Andre concert. You know, to be quite honest with you, I could probably go and sit on stage. I'm a member of Historic Royal Palaces, so I, I can probably get in there without too much difficulty. But to be brutally frank, I'd rather stay in and cut my toenails. Far more interesting. Uh, Ian says, is it called loose swimming because there are loose connections between their mouth and their brain? Well, for the first time ever, I mean, I, Colleen actually spoke some sense, but it was only what we'd been saying on this programme for ages and what you've been saying. And what I don't think I've found anybody thinking any differently. Nobody wants these girls back in the country. I'm not remotely interested. Listen, if they're radicalised at 14 and 15, by the time they get to 30, they're going to be suicide bombers, aren't they? I don't want to take the risk. 
I really don't want to take the risk. I really don't want to take the risk. It's just ridiculous, you know. Oh, we welcome them back in. Small wonder that, you know, we, we are the, the breeding ground for all the wrong people in the entire world. Uh, 84850. Terry says, I think actually Jamelia got the subject matter wrong. She was actually talking about the Top Gear boys. They're just children. Yeah, I, yes, I suppose, actually. I suppose it could be that. It was just the fact that, I mean, I, I, I did ask myself the question, has she been told to say that so it makes it sound as though somebody on the panel is not singing from the same hymn sheet as everybody else? Christine says, am I one of the few couldn't care less what happens to Jeremy Clarkson? He won't exactly be queuing in the doll queue. No, he won't. Absolutely not. Not with £30 million. And IT, he wouldn't be there for long. He'd be there for about two minutes. The moment... You see a headline in the paper, Clarkson quits Top Gear. They would be banging on his door from ITV. His agent would be inundated with offers from Sky, from everybody to get him to do programmes. Simple as that. Simple as that. He's in a very, very fortunate position. And the BBC is sitting there going, oh, God, what do we do now? It's, he's, he's making a laughing stock of us. And, of course, he'll be absolutely loving it. Loving it. And good luck to him. Good luck to him. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk, Manuel and Lorraine, as usual, you're right. Voice without apologies when you refer to these jihad tarts. I mean, I, I just don't understand why anybody... That's why Jamelia's comments were just so out of line, so out of order, and just so stupid. Oh, we don't know what they've gone over there for. We know exactly what they've gone over there for. It's either she doesn't because she can't read or something like that, so she's got no idea. I just don't understand. You know, they've got phones with them. They've got their own mobiles and they took a mobile as well. You're not thinking if they were going over to do something, they'd just send a text message or leave a message at home for their mummy and daddy. I'm just going over to Syria back in the morning. No, they've gone over there because they want to be jihadi brides because they've been radicalised. That's why I don't want them back. I don't believe you can then sort of change somebody. No, definitely not. Don't want them back. They're mad. We've got enough mad people in this country as it is. Thank you very much indeed. I don't want any more of them. I don't want them leaving the country and then sort of coming back in again, you know, harbouring even more hatred towards us. If they don't like us, as far as I'm concerned, you stay out. And as far as I'm concerned, you can take your whole blooming family with you as well. Much better. Uh, 84850, oh, Steve at 11... Uh, sorry, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Les says, I haven't had a day off in 11 days. Um, well, that's done. I haven't had a day off in ages. Age- Mind you, every day is like a holiday for me. Every day is a holiday. I don't think I've ever had a sort of a long holiday as much as I've had this one. It's fantastic. I absolutely love it. Uh, 84850, steve at So there's a picture, a couple of papers today of uh, Katie droning voice uh, with Camilla. I think they just went, oh, would you like a picture taken? And so she had a picture taken. I bet they're going to go back. And Charles will be going, what have you got a picture taken for with that woman? Which, which woman? Jordan thing, you know. And so <laughs> they, they won't know. So they've got a picture of, uh, of Camilla. The worst thing is that the people with, with Jordan are touching Camilla. I'm sorry, that's a hanging event. And so they've got people dressed up there. I say dressed up, it's hilarious. They've got um, uh, Camilla... And then Katie Price, some, some creature called Jordan Goatley, whoever he is, he's a nobody. Something called Melody Pope and Mr Goatley's mother Anne, who looks like, I don't know where she's come from. I've got no idea. I mean, dear God, ancient, haggard. I mean, you can count the rings around her neck from here with an outfit that just looks positively stupid. Mr Goatley, whoever he is, and he appears to be a nobody. We've sort of checked him out. He can't iron a shirt properly. He's wearing a pair of jeans with a cheap, I mean, just looks cheap. 
and uh, not even not even bothered to dress up for the races. So he's quite clearly very low rent, very low rent, but it's his mother. I mean, she kind of takes it to a new level. And as for Melody Pope, we've got no idea who she is, but um, poor, poor Camilla, get your hand off me. Touch me again, you're going to the tower. And, uh, and Katie Price, who looks really ancient at the moment. So here's the story of a lovely lady. Sorry. Christians are frightened to reveal their religious beliefs to colleagues at work. When they do declare their Christianity, whether they're in the office or on the shop floor, they're often mocked or treated like bigots and their children are ridiculed at school. Why would you tell somebody? I don't understand this story at all. You know, they've said here, uh, equality chiefs have said that Christians think their faith is being pushed out of its role as a cornerstone of life in Britain, according to a major study by the Equality and Human Rights Commission. Do you know, if these do-gooders, you know, stopped interfering in people's lives, we'd all get on really well. Two and a half thousand people of all faiths were quizzed about religion at work for the nationwide study, follows years of conflict over Christians' rights to act in accordance with their religious beliefs. Well, you know, sometimes they're not very religious, are they? We've had a lot of, uh, a lot of Christian bigots, a lot of Christian homophobes, a lot of Christians who don't like anybody else apart from their own narrow-minded view of the world. They don't know how to turn the other cheek. They're, they're people that we've had to take to court. No good waving Christianity at me. The woman who wrote that vile stuff to the McCanns was Christian, went to church on a regular basis. The woman who threw the cat in the bin, you know, hoping to kill it, was a Christian. So, you know, don't give me this guff about people can't come out at work. Why would you want to come out at work? I should imagine, if I put a million quid on the table and said to my producer, through a medium, uh, and said to him, so what, what religion do you think I am? He wouldn't have the faintest idea. Not a clue. Why does it matter? It doesn't matter whether you... You know, what are these people who want to come out at work? Uh, Christian. Hello. Uh, I'm going to have bacon, egg, sausage. Christian, by the way. And um, I'll have two pieces of toast with peanut butter. I'm Christian. Did I mention I was Christian? You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your religious beliefs are. You can do it. You can, you know, you can do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. I don't care what somebody's... Really, it doesn't change my opinion of anybody. It would if they started ramming it down your throat about, you know, I'm... Um, you know, I'm, I'm Christian. Would you like to have a prayer before we start work? Not really, no. <laughs> you know, that's the way it goes, isn't it, really? What difference does it make? I couldn't care less. Live and let live, as far as I'm concerned. The world would be so much easier if we all lived and let lived. It would be so much better. People would get on. You know, the, uh, the cause of wars around the world is, as you know, religion. In 99.9% of cases, it's religion. It's always religion. People are divided over religion. Even people of the same religion are divided. You know, you get the uh, the ISIS psychopathic murderers who claim to be doing it because they're Muslim. They're not Muslim at all. It's got nothing to do with religion. It's called to do with the fact they just want to murder people. And uh, hopefully in turn, they'll get murdered as well. And anybody who goes to join them, I hope you get murdered. It's as simple as that. Smoking cannabis for three years in your teens can ruin long-term memory, we are now told. Uh, participants in a study who used the drug daily for around three years, by the time they were in their early 20s, they were a bit gaga. I think we've proven that time and time again. Abnormalities in four brain regions. I'm not at all surprised, actually. Apparently, the study is one of the first to suggest that abnormality-shaped brains in heavy cannabis users is directly related to memory impairment. The longer that the, the uh, participants had been exposed to cannabis, the more misshapen their hippocampus appeared 
of scams. So now you know. If you smoke cannabis, you might think that you're up there. Yeah, it's great. It's cool, man. Uh, it's like, you know, because I've been smoking cannabis years. It's not affected me. I mean, you can hear them. I've heard them on LBC phoning up Ollie. I've heard people phone it, mainly Ollie, actually. I was going to say Christo, but I don't think I don't think Christo does cannabis callers. But uh, you hear people, yeah, I've been smoking it for years. It doesn't, it doesn't affect me in the slightest. And you think, have you heard yourself? Have you heard yourself? Of course it's affecting you. And now there is an official study which says absolutely that. It's eating into your brain. You've got no memory at all. You have no idea soon, will you? No idea. And then people were talking about when they were their most happiest. What did Ollie say? Did he say it was a few years back he was at his most happiest? I think always today. Whatever day it is, that's when I'm at my most happiest. You know, I can't be, uh, you know, happier today than I was yesterday. And I can't be happier the day before than I am today. So I'm happy every single day. I don't think I have a day where I'm not happy. I don't think I have a day where I go, oh, I'm really not happy today. It's always a day where I have to sort of think, what am I going to do? That's what I'm thinking. What am I going to do? I don't know half the time. I like to have a vague life, you know, thinking about, oh, what should I do today? But I'm never not happy. Never not happy. I've never had a day. The only time I ever got fed up was when I first moved up to London. I had no money. And that was the only time, because London is is dire when you've got no money at all. But I've got a, a scam that takes place on the motorways, which I'll tell you about very shortly. Quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Coming up to ten to five. Trust you well this morning. OK, good, 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 good. Joanne says I listen to you every day. Uh, you make my day because I'm bedridden and there's not much fun in bed. Oh, I don't know. I've had most of my fun in bed, actually, Joanna. That's another story. Pictures and video available shortly. Uh, so other stories which are in the papers for today. First of all, the phone hacking. I'm always intrigued by phone hacking because it, it went on years ago. Now, I must be one of these old fashioned people who thinks, but how else do people get stories? How do they, I mean, the police can put phone taps on people's phones, can't they? And nobody's ever complained about that. But when it's the newspapers and they were printing stories and nobody knew where it was coming from, they got the phone hacking. So now we're back in court again with another load of uh, celebrities who are all going to presumably get some sort of compensation. Uh, one of those who's been in is uh, is Paul Gaza Gascoigne. My life was ruined by phone hackers. He said for 10 years, for 10 years, he couldn't use his telephone because every time he changed the phone, they kept hacking it. I thought, well, how do they know? Somebody must be telling them. It can't be that easy, can it, to just hack? I wish they'd hack my phone. The idea of getting money for just somebody listening into your phone calls, they're welcome to listen into mine. Some of them are quite boring. Even I think they're quite dull. But uh, he said oh, he couldn't do it. And then we had somebody the other day saying, oh, you know, it ruined this and it ruined that. We've had people crying in the witness box. Good Lord. I mean, it really is. It's just, a, you know, because somebody's hacked your telephone and then the stories appeared in the papers and the Mirror have admitted, yes, they did hack for, you know, this amount of time. Because they were looking for stories. You read them. You bought the newspapers. You never question, do you? Well, I never question where their source is. I'm always assuming in a lot of cases it's somebody who's on a backhander who's sort of helped them out. Or in this particular case, they hacked into their phones. Now, I don't know how you hack into phones. My phone could be hacked at the moment. I've got no idea. Would I know about it? Would I know? The answer is probably not. (laughs) Probably not. But uh, anyway, it rumbles on and no doubt there will be uh, money that will be handed over and it'll all be kept very quiet indeed because otherwise there's going to be a raft of people coming out. But it's, it's the celebrities. In fact, sometimes the oddest celebrities whose phones were hacked and you couldn't quite work out why their phone would be hacked. What would they be talking about that would be of any interest to people? Uh, there's also a juror. Michael Clothier is 63. He's a bit stupid. He gets a job on jury. Now, when you go on to jury, 
you sit there, you go and you get picked, and you sit in a court if you're lucky. If you're not lucky, you don't get picked at all. And uh, he started doing a Google search on a defendant whilst he was sitting on jury. And he discovered, this, this was a trial of a man accused of blackmailing a 15-year-old girl. Um, when the Warwick Crown Court jury was sent out to consider its verdict, he told fellow jurors that he'd Googled the defendant's name at home. The jurors informed a court official who told the judge, the recorder David Herbert QC, he abandoned the three-day trial and ordered Clothier to appear in the dock. Clothier was sentenced to six weeks in prison, suspended for 12 months after admitting one charge of contempt of court. The defendant was remanded in custody to await a retrial. Because if you do this, I mean, when we, on one of our court cases that we did when I was on jury service, the judge said at the end, before you go for your deliberation, I must tell you, and it's in the interest that you know this, that the defendant has only just come out of prison for a similar offence. And so they thought that was relevant to the trial that we were trying. And uh, we found him guilty. But there, there again, we'd have found him guilty had we not known this, because all the evidence was stacked against him. He was a thief. He'd only arrived in the country, you know, I think sort of something like a year before. And uh, he'd, no, must it, no, a few years, but he'd, he'd actually arrived as a child, I seem to remember, from Afghanistan, and he'd and embarked on a life of crime. He'd thieved, he'd robbed, he'd mugged, he'd done everything. He'd already been in prison for this offence. And then came a count, and of course you get all the, you sit there, it is like watching a television thing. I, I advise everybody to do jury service because it's fantastic it really is the most interesting thing you feel as though you're actually part of the judicial system which you are you sit there and you listen and you make up your own mind sometimes people on the jury can sway your mind and they can say well listen he must be guilty because of this because of this we had a couple of people on the jury who didn't like the police and they weren't prepared to believe anything that the police said and though admittedly over the years we've had a few problems with things like that but i just i found the whole process amazing i absolutely loved it uh, then there was a mourner given a parking ticket after attending a friend's funeral was asked to get a copy of the death certificate from the grieving family to prove she was there sylvan macmillan macmillan uh, who's 70, immediately appealed when she was hit with a £60 penalty for using a space reserved for the cortege near her deceased neighbour's home. Newham Council, whose parking officers issued the fine, wrote to warn her she had 14 days to provide a copy of her friend's death certificate or pay the fine. It was really nasty, she said. I had to go to the family at such a sad time. She eventually won her appeal and the council's apologised for any distress. Well, it's not so much the council, it's overzealous traffic wardens. Overzealous traffic wardens who don't understand... What it is, they don't. They just don't understand at all, and uh, and that's why. Um, what have we got here? Uh, oh, the Pink Panther has struck again. Seven million pounds worth of gems uh, snatched in a raid, and uh, this is at a toll booth on the route linking Paris to the south of France. And uh, four cars forced them to halt. Fifteen robbers appeared wearing balaclavas and brandishing automatic weapons. They used uh, gas sprays to knock out the two guards. No shots were fired, but they drove off with this uh, vehicle. Then they found it later. They'd used, um, like, a, a mechanical digger. God, who would have a mechanical digger? It's not the kind of thing we've all got at home, is it? Would you have a, Anybody of you listening got a mechanical digger? No, nope, me neither. Me neither. So I wonder why, actually, somebody would, would sort of take that out there. But they've managed to get away with it. Got away with it. Uh, so bored, Sir Sharon, with Clarkson. And I'm off to Miami tomorrow. Uh, are they selling your book in Costco? I don't think... Oh, I don't know, actually. I don't think so. I know it's foils. I know the other bookshops. And I know it's online at Amazon. 
But uh, I don't think, I'm pretty certain it's... Of course, if it was on sale in Costco, I mean, the amount of people who go into Costco want to be celebrities must be immense. Immense. That'd be a very good place to sell it, Costco. Anywhere like that. Uh, if Jeremy Clarkson says Rose committed assault, he should be charged with assault. But why has Top Gear been cancelled? That's just punishing millions of people who have not committed assault. I've paid for these programmes to be produced. I'm entitled to see them. If Top Gear's cancelled, what's the point of the TV licence? Well, I agree. I don't quite understand and who took the decision to, to axe all three programmes. You know, why, why, could, could they not just do the programme without Jeremy Clarkson? So, in other words, you've got to lay off a whole load of people. I mean, that was a bit of a stupid decision, wasn't it, by somebody? You just say, look, Jeremy Clarkson can't be here. Here's, here's a cutout of him or something like that. I mean, I don't understand why they've axed three programmes. One, I mean, how long does it take them to sort this out, Rose? But you're right. You're, I mean, admittedly, you haven't actually paid for these programmes. You have paid for them to make whatever they want to. And they decided not to make these. They've decided to sort of axe three. First of all, one, and now they've axed three of them. And, and you think, but why, why should, you know, the other two guys and the crew and the producers and everybody else be made to suffer because of something that might or might not have happened with Jeremy Clarkson? Why would they axe the programme? seems a rather stupid decision to make, doesn't it? Oh, we're going to axe the whole programme. What for? What for? Why does everybody else have to suffer just for the actions of, of one person? Ridiculous. Uh, eight for 850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. We read everything out on the programme. We never miss anything out. Why? Because, well, we're just terribly caring. Uh, your Prince Charles voice was very good. Thank you. And, um, and then Greg says, is it true that phone hackers are the major causes of alcoholism? Well, that's apparently what Paul Gascoigne has said. He said, you know, it's, it made him worse. Made him worse. So I'm, I don't know. Because I, I don't understand, because every alcoholic's different, aren't they? Every alcoholic's different. Some people, you know, drink uh, because they like the taste of it. Some people, you know, drink socially. But then I don't know what the definition of an alcoholic is. I really don't. I mean, I've got no idea what the definition is of an alcoholic. Is I mean, I used to have a producer who was an alcoholic. I knew he was an alcoholic. I think he knew he was an alcoholic. He never admitted it. And he did drink. Uh, but he drank throughout the day. So from the moment he got in lunchtime to do his work, he was drinking in the office in the days when you could. He would sit there with sort of some cans of lager in his drawer and he just... And he seemed to work better with the alcohol. And then he'd go to the pub because he enjoyed the atmosphere of the pub, but he never seemed to eat anything. He might have a sandwich at his desk at around about four o'clock and that'd be it. The rest of the time he was, he was sort of boozed up. But I don't know... You know, when, when Paul Gascoigne says he was so traumatised by his phone being hacked, every time he changed the phone, sometimes twice a week, they just kept finding the number. How? How did they find... That's what I'm more curious about. But uh, as to whether or not you could link phone hacking with alcoholism, I don't know. I think he was an alcoholic before. I think, obviously, it didn't help. Ian says, if ISIS have 12-year-old executioners, what will those 16-year-old girls do to have to prove their loyalty? Well, we don't know. We don't know. I mean, you, you can only hazard a guess, can't you? That, uh, that if you can get a 12-year-old boy uh, and he can shoot somebody dead, quite clearly, you know, it's not too difficult to get people to do things. You just say they're an enemy. This person is evil, they're that, and they have to die, and the kids have no sort of, you know... I mean, I can't understand it either. You know, you go online and you get radicalised to do something like that. I think you've got one or two screws loose, if indeed you've had screws in the first place. <laughs> 
So the Clarkson saga rolls on, ladies and gentlemen. This is day two, or day three, and still no word from Auntie B. They don't know what to do, they're greatly up a gum tree, so just to ruin everybody's lives, they've decided to cancel the programme. The next three episodes, so there's Sunday ruined for you. They've got no idea, have they? They just don't know how to treat people at all. So it might have happened, might not have happened. Oh, cancel the programme. Let's sort of put everybody on waiting. So they all sit there waiting for this kind of thing. Uh, The US may return to firing squads. They've just executed somebody who killed a woman some years ago because she didn't pay drugs money to them. And now they've said, because of the sodium pentothal and it's not that reliable, they might return to firing squads. It's a little bit worrying, isn't it? It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That and more is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Thursday, the 12th of March. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. I'm Steve Allen. I'll explain that to you now. Uh, the mourner's fury at the parking ticket. So, luckily, she got it written off. But, I mean, to be honest with you, she shouldn't have been parking there in the first place. But they were being quite nice. Unfortunately, sometimes you get overzealous parking officers. The father of uh, the only way is Essex's, and now he's been arrested, Dan Osborne, in a rant at the X. So, first of all, we had the son threatening to knife her. And now we've got the father. Not a pleasant family at all. Whiplash. Really, we're running into billions on whiplash because, you know, they can't prove it. And the majority of people tell lies. And the motorway tricksters who are fleecing drivers, how are they doing it? I'll tell you this morning on LBC. There's nice to have company. Also hit for five million, the chart toppers who stole the Marvin Gaye song. Because sometimes you hear a song and you think, that sounds exactly like something else. And that sounds like something else. And the children of Marvin Gaye have been awarded nearly five million pounds in damages. Uh, for this chart top of Blurred Lines, which copied parts of Got to Give It Up. I mean, I thought it sounded very similar. And they played it in court, but they proved it wasn't just, you know, pinching little bits of it. There were certain, you know, eight particular pieces that sounded absolutely identical. See, I think it must be difficult. If you're a songwriter and you, you write a song and somebody goes, wait a minute, that sounds like this. I mean, I've, I can only... I have to be careful on this one. But um, uh, a friend of mine in Austria did... Um, did a, a series on a person who wrote music. And he said, right, this is a piece of classical music. And he played it. He said, and this is this piece from this person who writes music. And it was nearly identical. Seriously. And he went through, and there were lots and lots and lots of pieces which sounded identical to something else. Because how do you know what's going around in your mind when you're trying to write a piece where you go, OK, la, 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 chum, and then somebody goes, wait a minute, I wrote that years ago. You go, I mean, it is likely, with the, with the billions of us around the world, that two people are going to come up with something. In the case of this uh, Robin Thicke, for the video Blurred Lines, it sounded nearly identical to Marvin Gaye's song. And that's why the, uh, the judge has awarded £5 million. $7.4 million. I mean, it's, it's, it's not bad. Will it open the floodgates for loads of other people saying, wait a minute, you know, you've sampled my music. I don't know whether or not that's legal. In this day and age. But, I mean, at least, at least the family of Marvin Gaye gets something. Cause I, don't, I don't know what he left. But I shouldn't imagine it was a, a great deal. As most of it, I'm afraid, was, uh, was drug abuse. Uh, what else do we have in the paper today? Oh, there's Paul, Paul Gascoigne. He's sort of, some of the papers have done him as a fronter. And some have done him inside. The phone hacking made him drink more. So I was right. He was drinking before the phone hacking. It's just that during the phone hacking, 
and uh, subsequently he's, he's carried on drinking. There's a new Dyson out now, and this is one for wood floors. It's a dust magnet with a fluffy roller. It's going to cost about £300, isn't it? I mean, every one of Dyson's things costs an arm and a leg. I love it when I, I have to sort of find out how much it costs because this is a, Oh, here we go. Oh, God. How much do you think for this one? This is um, a new model designed specifically for hard flooring. It's the V6 Fluffy. That's what it's called, the V6 Fluffy. Goes on sale today, aiming to cater for the growing trend for exposed wooden floorboards, ceramic tiles and vinyl or laminate flooring. Wow. So what they've done here, the, the key difference between the new technology and Dyson's traditional bagless vacuums is in the roller bar. Engineers have replaced the traditional spinning bristles, which were designed to drive dust out of a carpet, with a larger soft nylon brush, similar to a paint roller, which scoops up dust and dirt from hard places. And it can be yours for the princely sum, boys and girls. £399. <laughs> he just doesn't do cheap things at all, does he? There is nothing cheap, and yet we've all bought into Dyson. I remember the first one I bought, and I've had a few Dysons. I, in fact, I gave my brother a Dyson, because I had a small... Uh, little cylinder Dyson, which I I bought years and years ago, and it sort of sat there. And I thought, I've used it loads of times. And then I said to my brother, said because he said, oh, he said I need a new vacuum cleaner. I said, I've got a Dyson you can have, because my brother. I mean, I'm I'm like a shop as far as my brother's concerned. I mean, I've got everything. If he wants anything, I've got it. I go to Costco, I see something at Christmas or wherever, and I go, oh, that's nice. I like that, and I buy it. And I think I've got nowhere to put it, so it sits in the boot of the car. Then I give it to my brother. This year it was a revolving Christmas tree, which stands about a foot tall. And each layer of the Christmas tree turns with fibre op- it, It's beautiful, I promise you. It's wonderful. And I give them to him, and he sort of ends up sort of sticking all these Christmas... I mean, the poor boy, he can barely move in his place at the moment. Um, I will bring you... I will bring you the story about Dan Osborne's father, who has launched into this uh, online assault on the ex-girlfriend. They're really horrible. They're really ho- They're not a nice family at all. Really vile. And there is a picture of, um, of what looks like um, Arctic waste. It's it's huge ice, ice boulders. And they've taken pictures and said, well, so where do you think this is? And they've got Antarctic. They've gone, no, 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 no. Massachusetts. The coastline there froze. And it was a once-in-a-generation event. It's been an amazing winter for them. And they've seen huge boulders of ice on the beach. I mean, just absolutely amazing. One of the worst winters in nearly 40 years. I suppose it goes back to the time that we in this country used to have the frost fairs on the Thames. It was so cold that the Thames froze over and uh, people were burning braziers on there and uh, having parties and everything. The ice was so thick, so thick. Uh, Gareth says, does this mean they're going to put microwave dinners in plain packaging? I don't know. I don't know. I do like... I had microwaved... T- tomatoes again this morning. I've got to get out of this habit of eating before I come on air. It's most, most odd. Uh, Steve, an alcoholic is only someone who drinks more than his doctor. Thank you. Uh, and the trouble about juries, says Mark, is that there's always the cocky, loudmouth bully and the shy, retiring types who can't get a word in edgeways. It's a bit like group therapy. Well, I thought all of our juries were great. I had uh, three different juries because I'd managed to get myself onto three different cases. And um, all mine were good. We had a policeman on one of them, a serving officer, a constable. We had, um, we had a rapper. We had all sorts of different people. It was a good cross... And that's the whole idea. There's supposed to be a good cross-section. And, uh, and they were a very, very good cross-section. Uh, award-winning weather presenter Carol Kirkwood has revealed she's constantly bombarded with X-rated fan mail. She says she regularly receives pictures from men of their private parts. 
don't know what that says about you, Carol. I'm not sure, I'm not sure what that says. The people, mind you, I'm not sure what it says about the men who want to send pictures of their private parts. Is that an odd thing to do? Very, very bizarre. And then send them into a, into a weather girl that you don't even know. Anyway, I mean, she's, she did say here, my boyfriend is used to it. He thinks it's funny. Really? I don't think it's funny at all, Carol. I think it's quite sinister. And I think that she'd report it to the police. If people are sending smutty pictures of their genitalia to you and you just read the weather, God knows what Bill Turnbull gets. God knows you can only hazard a guess, can't you? Only hazard a guess. Um, um, a British military healthcare worker has tested positive for Ebola in Sierra Leone. The patient's now being treated at a military-run unit within a Save the Children treatment centre in Kerrytown. And Al Murray has vowed to parachute into Kent, where he's taking on Nigel Farage. At 46, Al is famous as the pub landlord. He set up the air stunt after being shocked at jibes that he's an outsider being parachuted in to fight UKIP in South Thames. So that's what he's doing. He's going to... Well, it's very interesting, isn't it? And the Duchess of Cambridge had to go out to an art gallery the other day, and uh, one of them was was a dead body. It's on the floor of the Turner Contemporary. And she said, what's that? And uh, it's called Self-Portrait of a Drowned Man, made from silicon. I don't understand art. I have to hold my hands up and say I, I really don't understand art. I mean, how's that art? You know, a sort of a, a sort of dummy on the floor. That's not art, is it? It's just rubbish. It's <laughs> just rubbish. I mean, I suppose people buy it. You put it down, they go, oh, isn't that scary? Where did I go that was very scary, or sort of very scary? I might have been to the London Dungeon. And they've got people there who, it's pitch dark, you go downstairs... And then they and then and people touch you. I didn't, I didn't like that bit at all. I'm not I'm not big into being touched in some of these places. They say, oh, it's the experience. There's no experience as far as I was concerned. I wanted to get out as quick as possible. I wasn't frightened by it. I just sort of just sort of didn't like it. Uh, the health campaigners have hailed the MPs' historic vote: plain packaging on cigarettes. So it'll be a plain pack, and it'll just have the brand name on it, so you know what you're buying. Will it stop people smoking? Of course it won't. Won't make any difference at all. I spoke to John, a friend of mine, the other day, and uh, he said it wouldn't stop him smoking. Why would it stop somebody smoking? Because you can't, because you can't read what the uh, what 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 the, the cigarette is. Well, you better read that bit on there. But it's just plain packaging. Manufacturers can probably produce them cheaper. But I didn't realise an average cost of a packet of cigarettes now is about seven to eight pounds a packet. Seven to eight pounds a packet. I don't know how people afford to smoke nowadays. That's the one thing that you do worry about. Oh, good lord, who's that? Good God, Dean Gaffney, he's not still alive, is he? Yes, he is. And uh, he's just done a Marmite advert or something, and that's about the best gig he can get, because um, he played Robbie Jackson, the lovable dimwit. Nothing lovable about him at all. He was 11 years and uh, on EastEnders. Then he left the soap, and he quickly gained a less savoury reputation as a love rat. String of flings, and his long-suffering girlfriend has put up with it, and put up with it, and put up with it. Uh, he was pictured more recently with a blonde dancer aged 25. His philandering is caught up with him, but um, I think his relationship with his former girlfriend is now finished completely. Well, I mean, that's just tough for him, isn't it, really? I couldn't care less. I'm sorry, if you're in a relationship with somebody and you've got uh, children, who are now both 18, and then you cheat on somebody, and, uh, and then you don't learn and then you cheat again, I think you deserve to be kicked out. I think you deserve to be kicked out. I don't know why anybody would ever want to stay with an idiot like you. He says nobody wants to see their partner out with somebody else. It's humiliating. We don't know what the future holds now. I think that's her speaking, which is a shame, really. He says, I'm a fine wine getting better with age, and I don't care if that sounds big-headed. Well, it sounds like you can't get a gig, doesn't it, really? 
you know, the best thing he's managed to get is Marmite, which is kind of a love it or hate it. I think in most cases people go, oh, he's still around, is he? Which is a little bit of a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, very quickly, under European laws, Jezza could be suspended on full pay, could take up to three weeks, but I personally think it's a stunt to promote the show. Oh, it's definitely not a stunt to promote the show. We know that for a fact. We know that for a fact. Uh, technically, st- no, he's not staff. No, he's not staff at all. No, 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 no. He is not staff. He's freelance. He's freelancer, Tony. Uh, no presenter on the BBC is staff. They're all freelance. They all invoice per programme. They don't have staff presenters. Nobody has staff presenters. You're never going to risk a staff. What, what would be the point of having a staff presenter? There would be no advantage to any company having anybody on staff because they, they wouldn't rate. So you, you buy them in each and every time. He'd be on a contract for that, that programme. He certainly isn't staff. Call Clegg. Deputy Prime Minister Nick Clegg takes your calls with Nick Ferrari at breakfast. This morning from nine, only on LBC. Nick Ferrari, you can put your questions this morning to the Deputy Prime Minister Nick Clegg. We've also been speaking to the people of Sheffield, where the leader of the Lib Dems is an MP. Find out who they think is the most influential person in this political seat. And as MPs vote for plain packaging for cigarettes, hear what UKIP leader Nigel Farage thinks of the idea. And apparently now obesity is the new smoking. Is it? But mind you, we've known that for ages, haven't we? That it's the, it's the fast food, because years ago we didn't have fast food. There'll be people listening over the age of 40, a little bit, uh, who won't remember fast food. Fast food was fish and chips. Fast food was fish and chips. We didn't have kebabs. We didn't have spadulike. We didn't have uh, Kentucky fried chicken. We didn't have... And we just had a wimpy bar. We didn't have McDonald's. We didn't have all these places, which is fast food. That's why. And, of course, it's easy, isn't it? It's easy. You just go out there. You go, I'll have that, 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 and that in the morning. And people do eat on the run. People eat at their desks. People don't get the exercise. I mean, I know a lot of you probably eat very healthily, but the majority of people don't. It's it's not easy to try. I mean, I know because I know lots of people who go to the gym and they're trying to watch their weight. And it's just, you know, I think there are lots of different people in the world, which, of course, is one of the stupidest statements you've ever heard on this radio station, certainly from me. But I think everybody's different. Some people can eat as much as they want and they don't put on an ounce. Not one ounce. Other people, they've only got to look at, uh, at a cream cake and immediately the pounds go on. They've only got to have some chips in a chip butty with perhaps some cheese drizzled over the top. Whatever it is, it always sounds gorgeous. You know, a chip butty. You know, the very idea that you could go home this morning and you open up the freezer and you go, oh, I've got some fish fingers. Well, it wouldn't take that long to do that. I could do those fairly quickly, couldn't I, in the oven. You could pop in some fish fingers and then you can stick them in between two bits of bread and you can have a fish finger sandwich before you go to bed. That would be quite a nice thing to have, or just some chips. Or failing that, to make it even easier, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll heat up a tin of beans. I'll put some bacon in there as well, so I can heat up the bacon and the beans. And then I'll do some mashed potato, instant mashed potato, because I can't be bothered to do it. And if I do it with loads of butter in there, that's even better. So you have mashed potato, beans and bacon. Or spaghetti bolognese. Or you could do a full roast. Nobody does a full roast. You know why? Because it's fast food. You want something fast, don't you? You want to go in. I used to buy years ago. You could buy these burgers in Iceland. Long, long time ago. You could probably still buy them, but I, I wouldn't buy them anymore. And they, they went for about a minute and a half. And you take it out of the box. And it had uh, a layer of cheese there. The burger wasn't the greatest. But to be honest with you, first thing in the morning when you're hungry, it was delicious. It was delicious. And the more you think about food, the more you think, perhaps I'm, oh, I know, I'll just have some toast. I'll just, and I've got a four-slice toaster at home. 
which does seem a bit ridiculous, but it was. It, it, I like the look of it. And you think, there's no point putting two in, I'll put three, and then you think, if I'm putting three in, I might as well put four in. And then sometimes I take some cheese out of the fridge, sliced cheese, and I have that on the, on the toast as well. It just gets worse. And some people put on a load of weight, and some people don't put on anything. You know, you've only got to eat a packet of crisps and a curry, and immediately the pounds start going on. You know, do you have love handles? Love handles? You've got a set of luggage. You mentioned a mechanical digger, says Dennis. Well, in parts of London, they have cash machines out on the pavement. It's uh, surprising they're safe there, as over here, some guys steal diggers and take the whole side out of a shop just to get the cash machine out. Then they scarper in a stolen pickup, which is usually found burnt out somewhere. This has happened on a number of occasions, but I've never heard of any of them being retrieved. He says, I suppose you could say they stole the hole in the wall. Different countries, says, have a good one. He's in uh, Banbridge incidentally, which is in uh, which is in Ireland. We get people all over the world listening to this programme. I love it when people write in from, from elsewhere. I think it's I think it's very, very exciting. Very exciting. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Vince is another one who is not in favour of the three girls who went out to join ISIS, even though Jamelia thinks they're out there to sort of grow tomatoes or something. And uh, she says, I'm sure every right-thinking person would never let these disgusting individuals back on our shores. They left to assist in the slaughter of innocents. Yes. And now you've got that latest image of a 12-year-old shooting dead a 19-year-old. It's just, you know, how do you, how do you explain to a 12-year-old, you're, you're kill- this, isn't, this isn't Tom and Jerry. You're actually killing him. That's what's so, uh, so, so bad about the whole thing. I don't want them back here at all. I wouldn't let them back in the country. I know Bernard Hogan Howe the other day was saying that uh, we shouldn't send them to prison. Well, I mean, do we just give them a slap on the wrist and give them their own house or something? You know, that's that's what's the worrying thing. I don't know what he thinks the end result is. You know, put it this way, if they ever come back to this country, and I think it's highly unlikely, highly unlikely, why would they want to? They quite clearly don't want to be with their families. Quite clearly they haven't got any jewellery left, so they can't flog that or thieve it. So uh, are they going to come back here? No, because they obviously like what they're getting out in... In Syria, so as far as I'm concerned, stay there. That way, everybody's happy. 6.25, I only mention the time to you because I know you panic over the time. And somebody wrote to me yesterday and said, can you give us a few more time checks? And the answer is, no, I can't. I'm not in the business of helping you get up. If you can't look at a watch yourself, it's your own problem. I think what you have to do is make sure that you're up in plenty of time, get yourself ready, then listen to the programme. Or failing that, make sure that you've downloaded the LBC app and then you can listen to it on the way to the station or sitting on the bus. Because it's really boring. There might be people at the moment listening, sitting on the bus. I know there's people working, listening to the programme. I know there are police officers. Hello. I know that there are, you know, delivery drivers. I know that there might even be some tourists who've crept in. And there might be people sitting on a, on a bus at the moment, staring out of the window, thinking, oh, I wish I'd taken Steve Allen's advice and brought my app on the phone. And then I could, then I could listen to the programme on my way in. Because that's the way it works, isn't it? But it is the time when I... Yesterday... I left here a little bit later than usual, a little bit later, 15 minutes later, because I was talking to some friends of mine on another one of our sister stations. And um, when I got to Waterloo Station, it was so rammed, I suddenly thought, I'm so grateful that we work at the time that we work, between 4 and 6.30, because it was so busy at the station. It's just not a pleasant experience. Just not a pleasant experience at all. 84850, Steve at the uh, Uh, Carter says, you must have been lucky getting touched up at the London Dungeon. I wasn't sure, actually, whether it was London Dungeon. No, I tell you where it was. It wasn't London Dungeon. It was Madame Two Swords. Down in their thing. They've got people... Don't touch me, don't touch me. And he says, I worked there as an actor, and it was totally against the rules to touch people. You must have caught Jack the Ripper's eye. 
Well, was it? No, I, it was. It was definitely Madame Tussauds. I've just realised that the London Dungeon is in Tooley Street, and it was Madame Tussauds. We went there about, about six to eight months ago. I liked it actually. I like the idea you can go to be picture taken with somebody like David Beckham of the royal family. You pay for the royal family, I think, because uh, it's really good. It's very good, provided you want to queue. So get there early, is my advice. Uh, Dan says, I've been selling vacuum cleaners for years online. The Dysons are the best I've ever tried. and use them in my house. They're expensive, but worth it. He says, uh, if you like gadgets, I have another website with security locks. We have one where you can use your fingertip to get in. You'll love that one. Thank you, Dan, very much indeed. He's at lockmonster.co.uk. Finger- yeah, I mean, it's, it's a nice idea, isn't it? I've got fingerprint uh, things on my, on my iPhone. Which I still think is actually quite a, quite a clever idea, don't you? I do. Uh, 84850, uh Sid, spelled S-Y-D, says, uh, so, according to you, violence in the workplace is OK as long as somebody's making money. When did I say that? Nothing worse when you get ancient. You can't remember things. It's awful, isn't it? He says, as for Top Gear, haven't watched it for years. Same old, same old inane rubbish. Well, bigger audience every year. It generates £300 million a year, far more than you could ever generate in your lifetime. It's seen by 350 million people a week around the world. The audience is getting bigger, so it's only you, but you're probably quite old, so probably every day is the same for you. Get out of bed, go to toilet, get back into bed, go to toilet. Get out of bed, remember to go to toilet again, get back into bed, go to toilet. So it's not contrived stunts at all, it's a very interesting programme. Different cars every week. You know, if you don't, but the trouble is, see, I don't care if you don't like it. That's not the issue. The issue is, if you don't like something, don't watch it, dear. Don't watch it. So much easier, isn't it? So much easier. Uh, I'm listening to you in um, Thailand on the internet. Eight hours ahead and 32 degrees. Oh, dear, that sounds ghastly to me. I know everybody else thinks, how lovely, 32 degrees. I am not one of those people. I don't function in heat. It's like Nick Ferrari. We both have the, the temperature in the studio not warm. I was going to say chilly, but it's not, it's not chilly. It's not icebox chilly. It could be, but I, I, I don't like it too warm because it makes me drowsy. So, and he, he likes it below a certain temperature as well. <laughs> oh, dear. But thank you very much indeed for that. He says, uh, attached, uh, produced many phone calls from um, complaining MOT test people, which is lovely. He said, came from the Freedom of Information Act to show they get 82% of MOT tests that are inspected wrong. Yes, I've heard that before. There was a story we ran on LBC last week about the MOT tests. And uh, Mike says, I enjoy listening to your show most days when I get in from work. That's good. He's going out with somebody called Julie. Anyway, I'm duly impressed. Duly impressed. Almost impossible, says Adam, who's in Bangkok, to lose weight where I live. The, the producer would love this. The streets of Thailand are lined with food vendors. It's just satay chicken, grilled beef, mango, sticky rice. Everybody likes sticky rice, don't they? Have you had sticky rice with mango? Mango and sticky rice. That sounds quite nice, doesn't it? I'll tell you what I had once. I went to a Thai restaurant and they did a dessert, which was... Oh, God, what was it? Whatever it was. Oh, it was carrot. It was like... It was carrot, but it was delicious. You'd never have known it was carrot. And I love Thai food because I... I, Well, I like... I like Indian, it's a bit heavy for me with diabetes. Chinese, okay, provided you avoid certain things. I had crispy beef yesterday, again, because that was quite nice. Just a little snack before I had the Thai green chicken curry. And, uh, and then if you have Thai food, it's absolutely delicious. It's, it's a lot lighter. And so uh, he says, I've now joined the gym on my walk home. I have to pass all the food stalls. It's torture. 
Try going to the gym more, then you can eat. Because if, if you eat, then you can go to the gym. It, it kind of works out best, because the producers joined a gym. They were closed down in about 1983, but he still goes there, bless his heart, knocks on the door and goes, oh, they were closed today, so he goes home again as a McDonald's, and he's quite happy. 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Kelly says, Steve, it's the poor quality of our ingredients, because they say that obesity is the new smoking. They used to say, didn't you, that was the big argument for people trying to give up cigarettes. They say, I don't want to give up cigarettes. Why? Because I'm going to put weight on. You go, why would that be the case? Although I am living proof that I did stop, but I think it's the uh, the insulin that makes you put on weight. In Poland, the typical portion is two to three times as big as ours, and most people, women anyway, are really slim, says Kelly. A Polish girl told me she came to London, ate the same thing she cooked in Poland, put on four kilos in a few months. Over there, the food's much better quality. Yes, I mean, a friend of mine married a Polish girl, and uh, she was as thin as a rake. She could eat, I mean, seriously, like three or four curries... And a box of crisps and not put on an ounce. I mean, I'm, I've, you know, I was quite jealous of things like that. I'd quite like to be able to tuck a shirt in. I haven't tucked a shirt in for ages. Uh, Peter, sorry, Peter, Peter Punia, says, uh, Refood, I always tend to reach for the bran flakes before bread. Uh, uh, before bed. Before bread. Well, actually, before bread would be advisable to... I love bran flakes. Mind you, I like... Uh, because I'm diabetic, I don't have sugar. don't even possess sugar. I'm sure it's in a lot of items. But uh, I used to love a bowl of cornflakes, just the milk and cornflakes, first thing in the morning or last thing at night. It was absolutely delicious. Absolutely delicious. Uh, 84850, the London Dungeon is now at the London Eye, says Mark, just in case you were thinking of going. Don't want you getting lost. Oh, is, oh right, it's moved, has it? <laughs> Why have they moved it? It's not in Tooley Street anymore. I'm a bit disappointed, actually, just when I thought I knew where everything was. Now I don't know where everything is. Uh, Ian says the best thing about Dean Gaffney as EastEnders was his dog, Wellard. The dog was more faithful and a better actor, too. It's very cruel. Very cruel. Mind you, of course, I'd probably say the same thing. So that, in which case, it's actually quite funny. I like things like that. And um, Bob says, uh, I do agree. Don't let the three girls back into the UK. He says we must also keep out Jihadi John and Tony Blair. Yes, for that read, Tony, Cherie, the whole family. They've all, they've all got to go. Everybody's got to stay out of the country. I think, though, if, if, I think in the case of the girls, as everybody said before, if they go out there and they want to be jihadi brides, fine, stay out there. You're not just going to wander back in and treat this country as some sort of place to wipe your feet on when you feel like it. We're not having that at all. Definitely not having it. Uh, David says, are the Sherman brothers guilty of musical plagiarism? And um, it's... Uh, there was a, if you listen to the first bars of the song, It's a Jolly Holiday with You, Bert, from Mary Poppins, it's identical to the first few bars of a 1940s song, She Had to Go and Lose It at the Astor, which was the hotel, wasn't it, by Harry Roy and his band. I should imagine, though, plagiarism goes on all the time. People pinch a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Because let's face it, it's successful for them, successful for somebody else. I used to... Um, there, was, there was a song, and I can't remember what it was, actually. Um, and it was... What the dickens was it? I cannot remember. I cannot remember. It was... Whatever it was... Yes, that's the trouble. Marijuana for three years as a teenager. You can't remember anything. I think it's... it's now it's called a senior moment, isn't it? Don't they say a se- You know, sometimes I look at the producer and I think, who is he? What's he doing there? Why is he... Si-? Every morning it's the same person. He sits there. I think, I've never heard him broadcast or do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that about myself sometimes. <laughs> 84850. Steve at lbc.co.uk. Alan is a trucker. Uh, of course you are. 
He says, uh, love the show, just what I uh, need after driving all night, only an hour to go. That's the way <laughs> some people look at it like that, don't they? I don't know. Um, I don't know, actually, you know, how people can do jobs where they're driving all the time. It must be absolutely exhausting. Steve, I'm checking 18 vehicles out that are being ready for the Cheltenham today. All but one had their radios tuned into LBC, says Ron. Uh, so they should have. I get more people who say in this building, Charlie Girling, classic example, don't, don't, don't text, the phone will make a funny noise again. But uh, she'll say to me, I get in the cab this morning, what are they listening to? LBC. Everybody listens to LBC. I get in the cab, I think they turn it off when I'm in there. They always say to me, would, would you like to listen to it? I go, no, I'm fine, thank you. It depends, how, you know, it depends what sort of, you know, sort of mood I'm feeling in. This morning I was feeling in a I just want to go to sleep kind of mood. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, Albert says, Jeremy Clarkson speaks his mind just like yourself, but you do look better. Do you know how old he is? He's 54. It came up as a question on a programme the other day on the television. They said, how old is he? 54, 63 or 68 or something like that. And, and I thought, 63. How wrong can you be? 54. But there again, I know a lot of people now who who look older than they do because I think I look younger than I really am as I head towards another miserable birthday. <laughs> That's going to be a day with turning the lights off and drawing the curtains. Hate it. Hate birthdays. I don't like it, because then you get reminded of how old you are, and that's not the pleasant bit at all. It's not good. Uh, James says, don't use butter in instant mash. Try boursin. Ooh. Is that that horrible cheese that advertisers say? Boursin. No, thank you. I don't, I'm not really a big cheese lover, especially not soft, squidgy cheeses. Uh, black pepper cheese, it's mental. Yes, it probably is, actually. <laughs> probably is. And... Um, and then, and then somebody says you could get LBC to pay for you to go home by car if you don't like all the people in the station. I don't like anybody. I don't talk to anybody. I'm, 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 I'm Mr. Misery. I get on the train. I mean, frankly, I am Victor Meldrew. I complain about it all the time. Everything. I complain about it all the time. You know, the people on the train, people doing their makeup, people eating on the train, people talking on their telephones on the train, people, you know, people who settle down and take up everything. OK, put the bag on here, this goes on there. I mean, it's like they sort of set up camp on the train. I hate it. And uh, another one here. This is from uh, Kevin, who says, I'm in the Sack Clarkson camp. Interesting. The six, so far, more than 650,000 people have joined this petition to say, put him back on the programme. So 650,000. I don't know what the weekly audience is. I know around the world it's about 350 million. But, he says, the man is a boorish oaf. The sort of man you find holding court in the local pub, thinking they're allowed to do and say whatever they want and are untouchable. Top Gear will survive with a new presenter. Nobody's bigger than the programme. How many soap actors have said the same? The difference is, Kevin, and this is, this is where I, I have to disagree with you, he is bigger than the programme. It's as simple as that. When he was on the programme originally, uh, he was on it, and I think he was doing it by himself. Then he came off the programme, the audience plummeted. They put him back on again, and the audience goes up. It's as simple as that. Along goes Richard Hammond, and you remember that Richard wasn't even going for the job. His agent just put him forward for something else. He turned up, and they had some sort of chemistry, and it worked. There is no doubt in my mind whatsoever, and I'm not a fan, I'm not a fan at all, uh, that he generates the income for that programme. You could put somebody else... I know that uh, old Drears Morgan stuck his sixpenneth in the ring and said that, you know, he could do it. Well, he couldn't do it. Claire Balding said she, could, she couldn't. 
People watch that programme. In the same way, Kevin, people use you as the milkman because they like you. They might, probably, better get it cheaper somewhere else, but they like you. And that's why you're successful at what you do. Buttering you up now, you see. That's why people listen to me on LBC, because I'm doing what they like to listen to. And so that's why. So, as I said yesterday on the programme, you could have the same producer, Will, sitting there and another presenter here who wouldn't produce the audience. Because people want to listen to Steve Allen at this time. It it suits their lifestyle. And in the case of Jeremy Clarkson, if you can get 650,000 people in less than 36 hours to, say, reinstate him, that is quite some going. The the programme generates 300 million. It's a a big money spinner for the BBC. So he is bigger than the programme. You could take him off it. I would guarantee that programme would plummet. The audiences would drop and they'd end up axing it. Look at Blue Peter. Blue Peter, classic example. They have a very successful format done from London at the television centre. Big studio, studio number one for Blue Peter. I went to see it on a few occasions. It was one of the very few live programmes. And then the BBC decided in their infinite wisdom to decamp, and I use the word advisedly, to Manchester. And so all they, they all toddle up to Manchester and everything else. And Blue Peter ends up being presented from a broom cupboard. I wasn't even aware it was still on. Whereas before, you knew because it was there, it was, it was mainstream. Now, CBeebies has been shoved away. Shoved away, it doesn't even feature on mainstream. It's just quizzes all over the place. Quizzes, which is dull. You know, how many times can you sit there and go, um, oh, what was the name of that astronaut, the first one to dance on the... Oh, did, oh goodness, who cares? Who cares? I'd rather have Blue Peter. You know, I miss the days of Biddy Baxter. I miss the days... Of, uh, of presenters who are way much older than the audience they were appealing to. Now, I couldn't even tell you who's doing the programme. I have no idea who even presents, even if it's on. So that's, that's the different things. You know, that's why when you get somebody like Jeremy Clarkson, you get Jeremy Clarkson, he is bigger than the programme. He is the main presenter. I don't think it's ever been sort of laid down in tablets of stone that he's the main presenter. But you can see by his very demeanour that they, you know, if ever there's a thing going, he's in the middle. He is the main presenter. You know, the other, the other two look up to him and they, they sort of chip in and go, well, I don't think it is. I agree with Kevin that he can be very boorish. He can be, uh, he can be just, just a pain. He can be just a pain. You know, he can be the worst person ever. But he... He gets that programme, the audience. He is the one who actually means that it, it generates an income. And the income is about £300 million. Do you think the BBC are going to throw that away? No, they're not. No, they're not. Uh, in Camden, Chantel and Ezra, three months old. Oh, tell me, we've not got a three-month-old listening to the programme. Says, uh, most of us doing the night feeds. David says, I'm on the bus listening to you live. You do make me laugh. And I get funny looks from the other passengers. I'm sure I've sometimes been on the train and um, <laughs> people have sat there and they're listening on everything and they go. <laughs> and you think, I wonder if they're listening to this programme. <laughs> they might have done. I don't know. 84850, uk. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson uh, will be with me this Sunday for In Conversation. In Conversation. And Trevor nasty, nasty Trevor from EastEnders uh, will be uh, with me as well on the programme because uh, the actor who played Trevor is going to be down the road at the Trafalgar Studios. In fact, uh, in a matter of days, I think he starts on the 17th. Oh, there's a familiar day. A familiar day. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. 
Morning, everybody. Ten to six. Always turns about ten to six at this time of the morning, but of course it does. Uh, Jackie says, um, Clarkson is not a god. At best, he's a rude, violent individual. Well, there's no evidence of this at all, Jackie. This is all hearsay at the moment. We don't know this. And she says he's not bigger than the programme. He is bigger than the programme. Take my word for it. Listen, if this had been Richard Hammond or James May, they'd have disappeared. It's because it's Clarkson that this is rumbling on, because he is bigger than the programme. It's as if He's made that programme his. In fact, at one time, Jackie, as you probably know, perhaps you don't know, he owned it. He owned that programme. He sold his uh, part of it for £8.5 million to the BBC. He is bigger than the programme. It's as simple as that. You know, he, the, the other two are very good, but they're the sidekicks. He's the organ grinder, let me tell you. And uh, there's no chance that they're going to be getting rid of him anytime soon. Otherwise, if they thought that this was serious enough, they'd have got rid of him straight away. But they haven't. Now Cameron's waded into it. Now Cameron's waded into it as well. You think the BBC are going to be getting rid of their presenter who generates £300 million? No chance. And there's no evidence of what's gone on at all. This is purely hearsay. Purely hearsay. Kevin says, I love the buttering up, Steve. Made me laugh. Uh, Tracy said, biggest disappointment with Steve was the fact that, uh, with the, sorry, with James May, was the fact he answered his own front door. I was positively convinced he had a butler. I know. I thought, I thought the funny thing was that he was wearing a flat cap indoors. I thought that was the funny thing. Richard Hammond tootled off on his, uh, on his motorbike. Uh, Blue Peter apparently says Robert in Liverpool, and somebody's got to be, airs on Thursday afternoon at 5pm with a repeat at the weekend on the CBBC channel. Barney, Radzi and Lindsay are the current presenters. Who in God's name is Radzi and Lindsay? Are they glove puppets? Are they glove puppets? I've heard of Barney, because he's actually the one, he's actually a lot older. Than he. He's the one with very hairy arms, isn't he? He's fairly ancient. Although I did laugh the other day. I was looking at a programme and they had, um, uh, oh gosh, who did they have on there? I can't remember. It was it was um, a singer. And I remember thinking, he must be waxing his body. Because this singer was very, 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 very hairy. And then all of a sudden, no hair at all. So obviously waxing. Uh, I'm a private hire driver. I switch off LBC if I pick up a celebrity, just in case you're having a go. Oh, don't be silly. You've never picked up a celebrity in your life as well. You know it. You're just trying to make yourself sound more interesting. Never picked up a celeb. Picked up a celebrity. <laughs> never picked up a celebrity. Why do people tell fibs? Why do people, in case I pick up a celebrity? Well, obviously, the sort of people you're picking up, I mean, aren't rich. That's why they have to sort of get in there. Uh, I agree with you regarding hating birthdays. I work in an office where they make a big deal about people's birthdays. I refuse to tell them mine. Detest all the fuss. Why celebrate getting older, for heaven's sake? They do that here. They do that here. They They have a book which has got all the... I don't put mine. I don't, I don't mention when my birthday is. Because, and also, I'm, I'm never here when, when people are celebrating. I can't even remember what day of the week my birthday's on. I haven't quite got as far as that yet. I'm trying to sort of put it out of my mind. So I've decided that uh, as long as I don't, I don't mention it, I'm OK. <laughs> if I keep mentioning my birthday, let's have a quick look, actually, and find out when it is. Uh, 17th, oh, I think that'll be a... I think that could be a Tuesday. Could be a Tuesday. I don't know, I'm not too sure, actually. Could be a Tuesday, my birthday. Typical, isn't it? <laughs> Most miserable day of the week, Tuesday. <laughs> uh, Mick and Carla are still delivering beds in Brighton. 
That's where that funny bloke comes from who's pictured with uh, with old Katie to pick up a penguin price. The price is always wrong. Well, certainly always dim, as she's testified on many an occasion, and we've we've seen evidence of it on the television. And she gets a picture with Camilla. I shouldn't imagine Camilla's got the faintest idea who she is, which, of course, is in keeping with the rest of the country. The price he turns up. Nice to know she shoved the kids onto somebody else for the day, just so she can go out there and have some pictures taken. And she took little... Um, God, I've forgotten his name already. What's that husband's name? Oh, Kieran. Sorry, how quickly one forgets. Because next year it'll be Bob or, you know, Bruce or something like that. Uh, so uh, at least we... Uh, they, they had a sort of a day out. I think she gave him his own pocket money and everything to spend. I think he was allowed to have a Coca-Cola and a packet of crisps. And then, of course, she had the, the pictures taking. Um, Nikki says, I was using superglue from Poundland earlier for a small DIY job and the lid fell off, gluing together two of my fingers. After about two hours, they eventually loosened... So I can use it. Yes, I mean, it's, it's quite powerful, that super glue, isn't it? I've used that before. Uh, the one thing you have to do is, it, the, the moment it dries, you're in, you're in trouble. I've got um, a solution for that. Run it under warm water. Run it under warm water. Uh, 84850. Dave says, the Beeb has proved already that no matter what crime money talks, he will be kept on. Of course he's going to be kept on. And if he wasn't, if he wasn't in that remote, remote little cloud that everybody's sitting on at the moment, who doesn't uh, think he's going to be kept on, I'm telling you, he will be. Um, ITV would have an open checkbook at his door within a matter of minutes. It's as simple as that. They would snap him up like that. They would take him to ITV. The only problem is taking, you know, a programme about cars to ITV would be that it'd be full of ad breaks. And that would that would probably spoil it for a, a lot of people. But uh, no, no doubt in my mind whatsoever that there would be the open checkbook. Uh, little Julie <laughs> says, seeing as Mr. Andre is appearing at a venue near you, maybe you could ask him to sign the CD that you have. Yes, one of the one of the few CDs in existence. One of the few CDs in existence that uh, Peter Andre brought out. Which is lovely, isn't it, really? Because he's playing Hampton Court Palace. Yes, I know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether or not it'll it'll sell. Uh, Steve, I'm sure that Top Gear are more than happy to let this drag on massive free front-page publicity. When it comes back, and we all know it will, the already healthy viewing figures will soar. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. For people who've never seen the programme, they don't know anything about Jeremy Clarkson, they don't know, you know, what his history, they don't know anything about him at all, they will they'll watch the programme and they go, oh, right, it's quite interesting. There'll be all sorts of people. It is the most requested show. You know, it's done on an aerodrome, and people will happily stand there in an aircraft hangar being shoved around from pillar to post. A bit like the early Top of the Pops is. You move it, get out of the way. They would push these people out of the way. And they'll stand there and they'll watch Jeremy Clarkson. Never heard him being heckled. They go there because they want to watch the celebrity. A lot of them spend the time watching the television, but it's, it's his the most requested show. Not going to let that go at all. Uh, Peter's in Somerset. He says, I've worked it out. Your birthday's on the 17th of March. No, is it really? I'll have to check, actually. I'm not sure about that. I think we might change it for this year. I'd quite like to have two birthdays. Here's a picture of, oh, God, Kim Kardashian and dreary old Kanye West. Or, I heard somebody describing the other day on another radio station, obviously no better, Kanye. Kanye West. Makes him sound posh, but we all know what a miserable person he is. Uh, also, a couple of girls from Geordie Shaw. So, uh, not really a lot you can say about them, actually. And uh, Sam for Ears, the one with the big hoop earrings, has hit back at Lucy Mecklenburg after rumours surfaced that Lucy... Thought Sam was copying her idea of a fitness website. Darling, nobody can copy an idea of a fitness website, but they're too stupid to know that. They've been around for donkey's years, OK? Of course, the worst thing is that Sam for Ears and Billy 
Celebrity Mum of the Year, not married. Um, their mother appears in the latest interview. God in heaven. As if it wasn't bad enough with Lydia, Lydia Dim's mother turning up everywhere. And Carol, the Wright's mother. God, blimey. Oh, boring people they are. Uh, Sam, who's launched Celebrity Training with Sam for years. What, has she got any qualifications? Probably not. But um, she, uh, she says she wouldn't be annoyed if Fern McCann launched a website and thinks women should support each other. Oh, God. I mean, the drivel they taught these people. So what are you doing? Businesswoman, are you? Oh, right. So you've got a website that teaches people how to be fit. Yeah. Of course you have, love. As long as you believe that, that's fine. That's fine. Mother's Day very shortly, isn't it? Mother's Day. But I've got the scam to end all scams, I'm afraid. And this one's operating uh, on the M25, the M4 and the M40 across Buckinghamshire and Berkshire. And what is the scam? Here we go. This is where you go. Oh, my God. I think I've been caught by this one. Uh, Men in suits. Men in suits flag down motorway drivers to con them out of cash. The man in a suit stops the motorist and offers worthless gold rings in exchange for money, saying they need it to get home quickly as a relative has died or they've run out of fuel. In five days, there were 26 cases. I know you can't believe it. You can't believe that somebody pulls into the motorway and they go, listen, please, you know, uh, here's my gold ring. You can sell it. I just need 40 quid or something to get some petrol home. It's worth about 220. Uh, but I, and people go, yeah, because they're greedy. They're greedy and they want to believe it. So 26 cases in five days. The ring is the security. Well-dressed. The offenders often park in areas which put themselves and other road users at risk. It's been happening in Europe. And um, what you have to do is just go, no, no, thank you. Like people used to say, listen, I'm just coming back from a clothing show and I've got these leather jackets, which I don't want to take back because I have to pay the VAT on them. You know, you can have the 50 quid each. 50 quid each. Or failing that television. Have you seen that one? That operated for years. And uh, listen, I've, I've got a television. I've just come back. We've just moved house. I've already got one. I don't need this one here. This is brand new. Blah, 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 blah. And you take it home. You discover, wait for it. It's got no workings in it. You've bought a box. You've bought It's like the mock auctions. Similar kind of thing. So somebody will pull in and go, listen, excuse me, I, I, I don't like to ask. Some people are very good at this. I couldn't do it. They'd see through me very, very easily. You know, can you give me maybe 40 or 50 quid for this ring so I can get home because my relative's dying and I need to get back quickly. I don't have any money. You think, why haven't you got a bank card? The answer is because they're a fraudster. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Thursday, the 12th of March. I hope it's going to be a nice day today. That's the only thing I've not checked, actually. Not checked, but I will give you the weather, the other side of the news, and we'll run through the front pages of the papers as the Clarkson saga rolls on. They're not going to get rid of him. They'd have done it straight away if they were going to do it. Uh, Smoking cannabis for three years in your teens can ruin long-term memory. Uh, The US may return to firing squads. There's a new Dyson for your wood floor. Only £400. Uh, Britain's got the weirdest weather. Crisis at Crufts has 170,000 claimed cruelty by the winner. And the father of Dan Osborne from Towie has had an online rant at Dan Osborne's ex. Horrible people. I'll tell you about that in a moment. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Thursday, the 12th of March. The equality chiefs say that Christians are too scared to admit religion at work. Uh, the Americas may return to firing squads. Apparently, oh, it sounds terribly messy, doesn't it? 
for the uh, the death penalty. Madonna's very cross. We do have a story actually about um, about the father of uh, Towie's Dan Osborne, who's also launched an amazing rant. First of all, Dan threatened to stab her with scissors or a knife or something ghastly. And now the father's weighed into it as well. Uh, Britain's weirdest weather and doped up the Saudi playboy caught driving a souped-up supercar. You see, not just us all the time, it seems to be everybody else on the road. And whiplash, huge amounts paid out every year. And they're all fraudulent because you can't prove whiplash. That's the only problem. That's the only problem. And uh, Austin says, love you and your show. Um, Jeremy Clarkson might be, as are you, bigger than the show. Ergo, lesson to be learned. Yes, I mean, absolutely, he, but he is bigger than the show. And Jackie, poor soul, she says, show a little bit of intelligence. I think the intelligence needs to come from you. Violence in the workplace, not acceptable. You don't know anything about it. Were you there? You know nothing. You should be very, very careful. You've actually printed something that could be actionable, I would think. Because what you've said is you've actually said that he did something, whereas you don't know anything like that at all. So be very careful. He is bigger than the programme. He will be uh, be with it. And as I say, you can probably put money on that today and you would uh, definitely be on to a winner. 84850, uk, And uh, another one here. Oh, yes, because poor old um, Sandy Shaw has been snubbed. She's not been invited to the 60th anniversary show um, in Vienna for the Eurovision show. I mean, I, how can you do a Eurovision show and not invite Sandy Shaw? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. And uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised, Steve, if Jeremy Clarkson and the British in question aren't sitting together laughing, watching all the publicity. Well, they've known each other for donkey's years. They've known each other for donkey. Perhaps they wanted a break. <laughs> and Robert says, what do you mean someone has to when you said I was from Liverpool? Do you want to lose listeners with that rudeness? Uh, yes, I do, actually, Robert. Bye. And uh, somebody else says, I love Top Gear. I absolutely love it. The programme will be back, and it will be back with Jeremy Clarkson. Of course it will. The only problem is, for all the people who are saying, why do we have to to lose it because of Jeremy Clarkson? You know, wh- why can they not just suspend Jeremy Clarkson and then keep the programme on there? And the answer is, he's bigger than the programme. They can't do the programme without him. They cannot do it without him. We'll do the front pages of the uh, of the papers now. We're still doing Cheltenham. There's still a, a still a bet on with most of the papers for this morning. There's still phone hacking, uh, the argument over the uh, the steak, and um, and the producer says I offered a platter of cold meats. Well, I can imagine why would you want a platter of cold meats? That's like saying I could do your cold bacon sandwich this morning for breakfast with some stodgy porridge. Well, I don't want that. Don't want that at all. And. Um, that story rumbles inside. It's hilarious, actually. I mean, it really is. The producer was being, being blamed for not arranging hot food. Well, I think that's absolutely right. Of course the producer's being blamed for it. You blame the producer for everything. The producer, you know, take... Of course. How would it be the presenter's fault? It's the producer's fault. I'm quite sure that on all programmes, on television and on radio, if, if the presenter says, you know, I'd like um, an egg sandwich, you know, fried on both sides so it's not runny... The producer knows that. Not that the producer would ever go and get it. That would be the runner's job. And they come back with the wrong thing. Well, then, quite rightly, they'd be shouted at and sent away. Go away. Go and get it done properly. That's how it works. Why people don't understand that at all. Uh, I'm around the M25, says Adrienne, and says, I agree with you. The BBC won't sack him because he's bigger than the show. Plus, he's highly amusing. Of course he is. Of course he is. Everybody knows what he's like. He's a bit Neanderthal. He was the one who made his wife carry his bags when he had a bad back, apparently. Oh, no, she had the bad back, but she got to carry the uh, the bags, which I thought was hilarious. Everybody knows what he's like. 
And that's what they watch him for. You don't think that 80% of the men in the country sort of sit there and watch it. They do. They love that programme. But obviously they can't do it without him. They cannot do it without him. And that's why. And uh, Alan says, uh, I'm a line haul. The DPD drivers from London to Birmingham. Two hours, 40 minutes. I remember in Top Gear when they were in India promoting Britain on the trains. They had to take the carriages away. The train on the outs. Yes, I remember, Alan, that one. But the truth they've made all sorts of mistakes on the programme. But, I mean, they're only, you know, to err is human. And, um, you know, he's not, listen, do you think he's bothered? I shouldn't think. He only does one programme for the BBC and pops up on a few other little things. Makes no difference to him. Got 30 million quid sitting in the bank. Eight and a half million came from selling his bit of it. But uh, there you go. If you don't like him, don't like him. I don't care. Any difference to me? I'm not going to change my life. Uh, the weather. I better tell you the weather for today, just in case you were thinking, is it going to be a good weekend? I do hope so. I'm going down to Brighton on Saturday. It better be a good day. I'm taking the car out. I thought we were going to have rain yesterday. We appeared not to have. But uh, today, sunny spells in the morning. Increasingly hazy in the west throughout the afternoon. That's OK. The sunshine becoming hazy. I can cope with hazy sunshine. The high today, 14 degrees. At the moment, it's 8 Dry start to the night, cloud thickening, occasional rain from the west tomorrow. More general cloud and rain clearing slowly westwards during Friday, followed by brighter weather with some sunny spells from the east. Outlook Saturday through Monday, cloudy through to Monday with scattered showers and just a few bright or sunny intervals. Feeling cold with a chilly east or northeasterly breeze. Do not buy any plants, please, in garden centres over the weekend. The early morning frost can kill them off. I've just started emptying the pots in preparation for summer. And the planting out, but nowhere near ready to start planting out just yet. Um, and who's off to Vienna today? John Warrington's going off to Vienna today. Well, there you go. You'll love it. Oh, you've been. Be- oh, you must have been before, actually. He said Chinese Amanda always had food at the end of a program. <laughs> Will you enjoy Vienna? I don't know if you're going on a, on a business trip, John, or you're just uh, just going for the uh, the fact it's only what a couple of hours away. And it's it's nice. I haven't been back there for ages and ages. I should really go back because it's such a, it's such a, a quick thing to do, such a quick thing to do. And I, I do enjoy stuff like that. I enjoy it. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Jeremy says I enjoy a good punch up, and it does do your ego a power of good. But the trouble is to say nobody knows what happened. Nobody knows what happened. It's only because the papers have had to say allegedly because they don't know. You might have just pushed him. Might have done anything. Who knows? We don't know. You can't even hazard a guess at something like that. It would be very remiss. Very remiss. So, front page of the mirror, steak, ta-ta. And this is the real reason for the bust-up. I have to be honest, looking at the the platter of cold meats and then looking at this uh, rather miserable-looking steak with three uh, tomatoes on there, I'd rather have... Oh, and it's got a sausage on as well. And uh, one of those little bowls that put the chips in, so you don't get many chips now. You know when you go to a restaurant, they always put the, the chips in a little sort of vase or something like that. You think, there's not many. It's like buying chips in a chip shop. If they come in a cone, you know that you're being ripped off. Metro, Gaza. My life was ruined by phone hackers. He turned to drink as Snoop spilled his secrets. I don't know what secrets he would have, but uh, they've all been going in and out of the witness box, all these different people, and we've had tears and disasters and awful. At the end of the day, though, it comes down to, uh, comes down to money, doesn't it? It comes down to money. How much money are the Mirror going to be paying for this? The mother of murdered schoolgirl Sarah Payne said she felt sickened. After a statue in her daughter's memory was stolen. It's a two-foot bronze figure from the eight-year-old's former school. And she feared it could be melted down. Well, of course. And and I'll tell you why. It was taken from Hersham in Surrey about 1am. A van was seen leaving the area. 
Because what would happen, people would see it, and they would go, that's worth money, get it melted down. The trouble is, if anybody tries to melt it down like a scrap dealer and they're caught, they're going to be hung out to dry, let me tell you. Because you remember Sarah Payne was murdered by the paedophile Roy Whiting after being abducted in West Sussex. Now, I should imagine whoever took this has no idea the significance of it. But if anybody tries to melt it down, they're going to need to come up with some pretty clever answers for the police. Because once they've got a vehicle and uh, and they know here that a van was seen leaving the area, at some point it'll be caught on CCTV and they will catch this person. What sort of person would thieve a statue of a murdered girl? I can only hazard a guess, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the Daily Mail. Katie Price cozies up to Camilla. No, she doesn't. Not allowed anywhere near her. And uh, luckily, she's not allowed to touch Camilla. Camilla just there, having a picture taken. She probably hasn't got the faintest idea who she is. She just thinks she's another one of these people with way too much makeup on. And so um, they've got a picture of that in the paper. The teacher, who is banned for grooming a teen pupil, he's made pregnant. This is a, a 40-year-old. His former pupil is 18. Uh, they say now his, uh, his uh, behaviour was totally, um, totally unacceptable. And they fully support the banning order because you can't have teachers, you know, having affairs with pupils. You just cannot do it. It's just it's too dangerous. Uh, a very different kind of ladies day. It must be when you look at the uh, the poor creatures who are touching uh, Camilla Parker Bowles. Uh, somebody called Jordan Goatley, who doesn't know how to dress himself. But then you look at his mother, who looks like the most overdressed person you've ever seen in the entire world. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. It's 6.20, and uh, for Eleanor Noakes' benefit this morning, in answer to the uh, Nigel Farage question, the answer is no. No, definitely not, Eleanor. Uh, the other story that's in the paper... I have to do this story in the paper today, if, if only because it follows on from the story that we did the other week about Dan Osborne. Dan Osborne uh, was in The Only Way is Essex. He's currently suspended because he had a rant against his ex-girlfriend, with whom he has a child, saying if she slept with anybody else, he'd, uh, he'd stick a knife into her. He's a quite revolting piece of work. I mean, he really is. He might be portraying himself or trying to as a caring, sharing person. He had to issue a humbling apology. The police have decided that he'll face no action after an investigation because basically he's got to do something. No good just saying you're going to do something. Anyway, now his father, his father, if you please, has launched a vicious tirade against his son's ex-girlfriend, Megan Tomlin, Jim Osborne's online rant. I mean, you can't believe he'd be this stupid, can you? against the mother of Dan's one-year-old son, Teddy, also blasted her mum, Pam. He said, and I quote, pure 100% scum, tramp, great role model. Nasty, horrible little people who think they're clever trying to use violence on a good man. Uh, a good man, Dan Osborne, I'm going to stick a knife in you. Either his father's deluded or somebody's hacked into his website. I can't think that anybody with a brain cell would write this kind of stuff. I mean, the Essex hunk... I think for that, read, let's kill your career stone dead now, was suspended from the show. He's called Megan every name under the sun. I mean, it really is just the most disgusting thing. I was running the programme, I'm afraid. Forget, uh, forget Jeremy Clarkson. Let's kick Dan Osborne off and keep him off. None of this, oh, you can stay. It's not like doing drugs. You threaten to stick a knife in somebody, I'm afraid. It's, uh, you've lost all, all sense of anything. You need to have a word with your father. You know, perhaps, uh, you know, perhaps like father, like son. Our son is disabled, says uh, Kev. He saved every penny of his birthday and Christmas money. He saved from his limited income for two years. Last week, he finally had enough to get the leather coat he saw and set his heart on. Anybody buying from a stranger on the way home from a sale with surplus stock deserves the shoddy substandard goods they get. Yeah, but people like to think, Kev, that they're getting a bargain, don't they? That's what they like to think. 
They think, if I buy this, because some people b- 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 buy into it. They believe it. They believe this person really is coming back from a, from a fashion show and, you know, they've got these things left over. Nobody has things left over. Nobody has things left over. People buy it. They, they want a bargain. You know, I've seen people at markets. They go, come on, darling, this was only knocked off the other week. This would have sold in Selfridges and this is a surplus to requirements. You know, quickly get, get your hands on it. And uh, Mike in Manchester says uh, nobody's bigger than the programme or show. He is. I shouldn't have to explain it to you. He generates £300 million a year. That the BBC will not sniff at at all. He says, look at Chris Evans and Jonathan Ross, both big personalities. They were sacked. They didn't generate anything. They didn't generate any income. Jonathan Ross never generated any income. Chris Evans never generated any income. They're big names. They made it elsewhere and always will do. And uh, you don't want Chris Evans. Absolutely not. No, no, no. The programme is Clarkson. I'm telling you, if they get rid of Clarkson, which I'll be very surprised at, within, within seconds, ITV have been knocking on the door offering the biggest paycheck you've ever seen. Biggest paycheck. Interestingly, at um, at uh, Cheltenham, I've forgotten just how low rent it is. And then, of course, I see that Jordan turned up, so you know just how low rent it is. And uh, and Jordan Goatley, who's turned up, who doesn't know how to dress at all, and his mother, who, I don't know where she... She looks like she's been dumped in a puddle and dragged through a hedge, poor soul. Anyway, you can go and buy Moet and Chandon champagne, and they give you a little funnel so that you can guzzle out of the bottle. It's become so cheap... It's become so low rent that there's women pictured guzzling Moet and Chandon in these £15 little tiny bottles with a funnel on it. Dear God in heaven, I'd forgotten just how chavvy it really was, actually. But then I suppose anywhere that uh, Katie Price turns up to is very chavvy. Daily Express. Apparently, walking every day, they tell us, keeps you healthy and active into old age. And it's now been confirmed. So that's okay, isn't it? That's okay. So as long as you walk, as long as you get a little bit of... uh, little bit of... uh, healthiness going on. That's good for you. It's very, very good for you, which is nice. Uh, the tycoon, who's going to lose two million to his ex-wife, decades after a split. He was a New Age traveller, Dale Vince, and uh, he tried to say that uh, his wife wasn't going to get anything. He's come up with these wind farms. He's got a company or something. He's worth about 100 million, and she wants two million. And they, they threw it out of court years and years ago, and they said, no, 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 it's too late. Well, three appeal court judges have, uh, have just said... Um, no, she can. She can take it to court. Leo McKinstry, the Daily Express columnist, says police are not to blame for the tiresome jihadi schoolgirls and their even more tiresome families who, uh, at every opportunity, seem to be blaming everybody except themselves. What a shame. Uh, he says, let them live in the evil regime that they admire. I absolutely agree. But that seems to be the rest of the country's uh, opinion on them as well. Independent today. Front page. This is David Duckenfield. You remember David Duckenfield? He's the former chief superintendent of South Yorkshire Police, leaving the Hillsborough inquest after giving evidence for a second day. Um, He has said, and I quote, I was overcome by the enormity of the situation. I told a terrible lie because what they did, they opened a gate which let more people in. And that was the problem. Uh, Nigel Farage scrapped the race discrimination laws and uh, uh, anger at the inflammatory claim that racism is no longer a problem in the UK. The Telegraph today, Danny Alexander and the illicit Lib Dem donation, £7,650. And um, that they're going to be discussing with Nick Ferrari on LBC in about half an hour's time. Front page, finally, of the Times. They've got a picture of um, Ladies' Day at Cheltenham. This is where people... I mean, it's not quite as bad as Aintree, where it really is the lowest common denominator. And um, the BBC facing a huge bill... 
for dropping top gear. They could have to pay millions in compensation to foreign broadcasters. Because if you say we, we, we produce a programme, then all of a sudden it's not there. They're going to want compensation. What are these people supposed to fill their schedules with? So that's going to cost them serious, serious amount of money. Serious amount of money. So the sooner it's back on, the better. Because these people might be going as well, wait a minute, we wanted the programme of Jeremy Clarkson. What do you mean you got rid of him? Well, we want compensation for it. This could be the worst decision they ever make. So that's why I'm pre- confidently predicting that, uh, that they won't make that decision. That's it for this morning. I'm back with you again tomorrow morning. Have yourself a lovely day. Didn't sound too bad, did it, on the weather? It was not, uh, not too bad at all. Uh, if you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, you can download the LBC app, or there's TuneIn Radio 2. And if you missed any of today's show, there's our podcast service, where from as little as £2 a month, you can download everything.